Sounded like yourself. Seems like all these girls are perfect. All these girls are perfect. In LA. You hear that, Ryan? You got to move to LA. <laughs> if you want to find your boo thing, you got to change coast. <laughs> It'd be hard to watch Buffalo Bills games out there, but hey. Yeah, I, I got to hook up. There's a lot of a lot more STDs out there than oh my God. All right. <laughs> that went left really fast. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even let it get to the open. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, at least you got your priorities right, man. You ain't trying to come back itching. Good for you. All right. That's progress in life. <laughs> there you go. Burning oh. the bathroom down and shit. There's <laughs> All right, we're not starting like, all right, man. Uh, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, aloha, guten tag. I hope everybody's doing out there in the world. Y'all see what kind of energy Ryan got. You know what? Ryan, I ain't mad at you. You know what? Gotta keep it safe. You know, I've been thinking about you a lot during this this past week. I've been like, man, I wonder what Ryan up to. Because I always be thinking, like, does he have to have, like, the shittiest week ever? Because every time I think I'm having a shitty week, I'm like, it can't can't be worse than Ryan's week. There's no way in hell I'm having a worse week than Ryan. (laughs) You wake up and go downstairs and the devil waiting. Let's go, Ryan. Let's see what we get into this week. Can't be that bad every week, but, man. You might need to get you a a T-shirt that says, life has been kicking my ass. (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) That being said, have you been having a good week, man? You been doing all right? Um, I'm trying to clean it up for all listeners out there, so I'm going to say, heck no. No? Mike Tyson has been following me around, punching my face every chance he gets. This week is terrible. You got to learn how to bob and weave, bro. (laughs) Uh, Mike Tyson only can catch you with one punch. Yeah, you can bob and weave all you want. It just takes one punch, and it could be curtains. That's all it takes. Okay, Mike Tyson didn't land every punch, man. Maybe you just stand it there just taking the hits. One. It just takes one. You got to be the real deal Holyfield. Man. You got to be more like Mayweather, man. Yeah. You got like to block something. Yeah, go to the Y and be Michael Jordan. That's If you're saying you can stand up to Tyson, that's like saying going to the Y and you're Michael Jordan. You know, how many, you get you know how many times I go to the Y and somebody always thinks that they're some player that they know and good hell well they're not. They're, they're not Michael <laughs> Jordan. They're not Steph Curry, man. They're not LeBron James. I mean, God, man. Everybody wants to shoot three. That's why I hate going and play ball with like younger people now. All they do is like shoot up to the three point line. That's it. Nobody want to play down low. Nobody want to get rebounds, man. You run around just exhausted running. I'm like, man, I'm playing free throw line to free throw line. Yeah. That's where it stops for me because I'm getting too old. My knees can't take the hits, and I, I don't have time for all this. I don't play with young kids. That's no why you got the poor Zinguses of the world who's seven three shooting threes the whole game, not even down in the box that one time, you know, like. You got these big guys. The big guy is kind of obsolete now. They don't really need a big guy anymore. You 6'9", and the center. You know what I mean? The centers are 6'8", 6'9". Yeah, I don't you know, know if so. that's true because Jokic just, just won his Jokic championship. Did. He, did. he made a and comeback. He, he a big man. So but, he, he's, but he's still more of a eh, – I won't say he's a little finesse. He does he's have a lot more he's range. He's not the yeah. prototype. No, no. He's not. He's like this. an upgraded version of Paul Gasol. He, a little yeah, bit to yeah, me. He's got a lot of moves. Somebody else try to shoot a three, and but he's like more versatile as far as mm-hmm. like passing. Yeah. yeah I don't want to get a sidetrack with sports. How we do this all the time, man? We get sidetracked <laughs> on sports. We need to get another, another version of our podcast where we just talk sports because I yeah. feel like that can be a nice one right there. Oh, yeah. Ryan, you can start yeah. talking about Buffalo Bills, yeah. how they're never going to win the Super Bowl, 
And I have plenty of material for that. <laughs> plenty of material. Yeah, that's all right, y'all. Every every year is y'all is y'all year. So since when? The last two three years has been Buffalo's no, been picked. No, at least just, the last no, two just Buffalo. one year. No, no, nah, that's that, Cowboys fans. We think we're gonna win every single exactly. year. Exactly. Don't, don't give me that crap, Sean. You know we damn delusion. well last year was the only year the Buffalo's year been the favorite. No, they, it was just been, last year. No, no, they, just, been, no. They, we were contenders. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm we just were saying they, we've they, been contenders the past the picture. five to seven they've years, in, in my picture. opinion. Yeah, that's what I'm, so I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, but that, last but. year was the only year in my lifetime. And, the, and then you got, now it's even worse because you got guys on the cover of Madden. Now they're really drinking the Kool-Aid now. You know, I'm not, I'm not hating. No. I'm just and, and just a side note, I found out, if you just want to know, just because I am buying Madden, just because Josh Allen and Buffalo Bills fans are on the cover. Well, there goes and, the curse. <laughs> more than likely, the curse is, we've already, we've already been cursed. Believe me. There was an X-Files episode where one of the Illuminati characters even said, I will die before the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl. <laughs> that was on the X-Files. That's harsh. <laughs> That's very harsh. But um, I found, yeah, I'm I'm going to plop down 100. I'll probably wait until it goes on discount. But just like 2K, Madden has the Deluxe Edition and the Standard Edition. Mm-hmm. So if you want to pay an extra $50, you get the Deluxe Edition, extra VP points, and you get a, a special cover. I'm going to buy that just because Josh Allen and Buffalo Bills fans are on the cover. Come Damn. to find out, I thought that was just uh, uh, that cover shows Josh Allen sitting in the stands mm-hmm. with Buffalo Bills fans surrounding him. That was a photo shoot in Los Angeles. It's not from real game. They actually hired Buffalo Bills fans that live in California to do a photo shoot with Josh Allen. That sounds it's, terrible. It, but that's, that's the way, you know, I'm sure that's not the only time that's happened in a 2k cover or a madden cover you could be right but at the same time don't the buffalo bills as a franchise and all the heartbreak that they had don't you think they deserve a good documentary or a movie they did they had uh good not i'm just i'm not man don't make nothing about anything oj related at this point (laughs) no that is a great we don't need to go back that That was a great documentary but all the heartbreak i think the Buffalo Bills, they deserve like a really good documentary. They did. And it, it might actually win some awards if they do another one. Uh, because it, it the more and more heartbreak they have, especially with old dude that had a damn heart attack on the field. Eh, yeah, they, 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 got, they got a little bit more. They got a little bit more of their story to tell. I would say more so than most teams. In, uh, in, in history, most teams get their day eventually. We saw the Denver Nuggets win the championship. That is true. And they, they've, that dealt is true. With, they've dealt with a lot. And they uh, probably can't wait to make a movie about them. It's probably sure. going to be like the biggest thing ever. Was they thought they had someone they drafted Carmelo? Yeah. Who would have thought I that Jokic was going to get him to the promised land? Yeah. I uh, didn't see that. They deserve to make like a, a movie about him. I think he's one of the Jokic. Most, he wasn't even a first round pick, was he? Yeah, man. Yeah. He, he's a good inspiration right there. Yeah. Like Melo, he had a good try, but unfortunately, he ran into Kobe Bean Bryant in his prime, and that was unfair to him. I should have known he was never going to get over the hump. With Kobe in the way, Jokic, mm, yeah, he won a championship this year. But honestly, I barely watched basketball this year. I don't know why, but I'm just not too into watching like the NBA at this point. What? As soon as I know the Lakers, that is disappointing. Suck. You're it, the designated basketball head on this podcast. Me and Sean, I don't think I watch we're, one. We're final lace game. heads. Me and Sean, uh, and Sean, Ooh, correct, yeah, correct me if I'm y'all wrong. Y'all Michigan fans, no, yeah. but. No, it's the sport of football. It's because me and Sean are worship. Me and Sean think football is the funnest 
best sport ever. Yeah. We that's our that's our favorite sport to play. You're the designated basketball head. Me and Sean are lace heads. The basketball head of this podcast isn't watching NBA. Not the NBA is great, right? I, I love the NBA right now. Yeah, I, just, I love it. I just haven't been into it. I've been more into my movies and my yeah. uh, television shows yeah. lately. I'm trying to get caught up on a lot of TV. And like you said, if we spend like how much how much time do you think we can spend and get caught up on everything? It's impossible. Impossible. There's too much content out there, and I'm trying to get caught up as much as possible. There's too many good shows out there that I need to catch up on. One of them is probably going to be my binge worthy for next week if I keep going because I start on a new show. But yeah, I, I I'm always busy watching that. Sports just takes a back seat at this point. I know that's like something that people like to do when they get older, and me, I'm pushing forty, and I like. I like watching TV and I like watching sports, but sports just it really isn't it really isn't it for me anymore. I like to watch movies. I like to I'm gonna be like you come next year. I'm gonna watch so many documentaries, I'm gonna learn about the world and everything around me. I'm gonna learn new things. Like sports is I'm always getting my heart broken at this point. So I'm like, man, let's just watch something that can really give me hope. Let me watch a documentary about something yeah. or, or or anything at this point. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely watch a few movies that y'all recommended this past year as far as like the hidden gems and stuff that I haven't watched. And uh, what is it? The one about the um, the abduction ones, like um, Fire in the Sky or something Fire like that. Fire in the Sky. Yeah. Never saw. I that? have that in my queue, but for whatever mm-hmm. reason, I keep forgetting to watch it. So I'm making a conscious effort to go back and watch a lot of the movies that y'all recommended for Hidden Gems, and I'm probably going to put that on our link. All the Hidden Gems that we've given That's like within the past idea. year, a great idea. And we're going to give that all to y'all. I'll put it on Facebook. I'll put it on Instagram, so y'all have a chance to get caught up. And I'll even try to put a link in and where the streaming service is. Because everybody ain't got Tubi and all this other stuff. Because I damn near have all the streaming services. But I'm going to make sure that the fans get get like a nice little roundup of all of our hidden gems. Because we have some really good right. hidden yeah, gems. Stuff we from forgot this about. Year. I bet you we go back. Like, I know. Oh, shit. We need to watch that. Yeah. No, because I'm doing a better job of tagging certain things in the episodes. But I need to tag more of the hidden gems. Because a lot of that yeah. stuff is some really good like uh, recommendations that we've been giving out. So, Ryan, I'm going to give you all that courtesy of going back and doing our hidden gems. Sean. If I miss one, y'all let me know. But I'm yeah. I'm slowly going back and getting all the hidden gems rounded up so I can put it out there for the fans to, to see because we have some really good ones out there. And we're going to add to it. That being said, standing ovation, I'll take lead on this one just because I saw her in the latest uh, edition of uh, Mission Impossible. I'm going to give it up to uh, Rebecca Ferguson. That's going to be my standing ovation. Yes. Her in the last three movies – she pinpoints something that I'm going to bring up later as to why I think the last three movies of Mission Impossible in particular have been so successful as opposed to why I think they failed, quote unquote, in like the first three or four of those. What? I, I, you will not slander Mission no, Impossible one or three. No, and I'm, and I'm I'm going to circle it all back to why I think the second one failed. Okay. I, I, I have my opinion that that was a failure, not financially. Mind you, not financially, but as far as no, it's because whenever I talk about movies, I I really don't care about box office numbers. Box office numbers doesn't mean that's shit what to I'm me. talking about. I'm talking about the overall quality of the movie and the impact. That's what I like to hear. That it was supposed to have. That's what I like to hear. Okay, because box office because there's a lot of you know quote unquote great movies Shitty out movies there that made that money. don't get the box office acclaim that a lot of other movies get. You can be really Very really true. good, but not My everything. Not everything Fight out Club there is flopped. soul food. Not everything out there is steak. There's some fried bologna sandwiches out there. If y'all following what the metaphor is going, <laughs> like there's some, there's some popcorn out there, and there's some there's some pock rocks. And every once in a while, you get like some uh, some stir fry shrimp. You get something really nice right there, man. You get like a like a, a wagyu steak. Y'all, y'all don't know where I'm going. This like the real good stuff. Or every once in a while, you have like a little hole in the wall restaurant that nobody knows about that got some fire ass food 
for 10 bucks a plate, there's some stuff out there that people can really get like their, I don't know, get fulfilled. Like not just like something that's just like fast food, but something that's really good for the soul. Y'all ever taste some food, man? This is like I have has like a little extra love into mm-hmm. it. Yeah, they put some effort in it. They yeah. put some effort into it, man. They're they not like a big restaurant making a lot of money, but they really put like the best effort that they can into each and every dish that they serve. And that's why I think certain movies are. Some movies, they put a little bit of extra love into it, and it just tastes a little bit better than that popular bullshit. That's all I'm saying. So I'm going to get into it. I'm going to connect those dots. And Ryan, me and you might have a little bit of an argument, but I'm all here for it. But back to my standard ovation, Rebecca Ferguson. I'm assuming you guys have been a fan of her addition to the to the Mission Impossible franchise. Big either, fan. Do we, either one of you have a gripe with her as a character on Mission Impossible? No. As far as her, because I saw her more quote unquote as like the a counterpart to Tom Cruise at well quote unquote Ethan Hunt in this whole franchise. Oh yeah, Tom Cruise, the American agent. She's the British agent. No, she. I love that partnership. She's not. Damsel in distress, it would have been no. cliche to death. She doesn't need no help in, no. in cinema history. She's <laughs> not one of those that's waiting for help. She's somebody that can hold her own and she can actually save Ethan from time to time yeah. when he gets into a bind. That's what I love about her character, what she's brought to this franchise and Mission Impossible. So, stand ovation for her. And let me just get out there because she's been in the last three. She was uh, originally in uh, Rogue Nation. Then she made it into Fallout. Now she's in Debt Reckoning Part 1. And she was also in her also credit. She, she was in uh, Dune, which is another movie I need to double back to because a new one is coming out. And I feel like I owe it to myself to watch the first one over again because I feel like visually it was incredible to watch. But the story was just kind of like blah to me. I don't know what y'all got from it, but that movie felt like it was not what it was hyped up to be. And I feel like I need to go back and give it a second look just to make sure I'm not disrespecting that movie and that franchise where it's going with it. You're not actually, in my opinion. And one movie that she was in that my wife loves to death, and I don't know why. Have you ever watched The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman, where he plays like a, what is it, what is it, the Barman and Bailey uh, startup? Oh, no, i never seen like, it. I know the circus one. Yeah. She swears by this movie, and she loves it so much, but I'm just kind of like, eh, I'll pass. I don't enjoy that movie. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, yes, I'm all here for it. Him singing and dancing, I'll pass. I don't know why. I understand he's a very talented actor, but... Him doing all that is not the Hugh Jackman that I like. That's not what I want to see in life. But to teach his own, uh, Dr. Sleep, which I missed that one. Have y'all watched that one, Dr. Dr. Sleep? Dr. Sleep is good. Masterpiece, yeah. I actually. I love Dr. Sleep. I, yeah. I, I love it. I didn't watch that one. I completely missed it. I, 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 would, I would even, I would make, I would make. She played a hell of, she was uh, really a good bad guy. Yeah. Uh, a, a great bad guy. I yeah. would say that's her greatest role yeah, to date. Yeah, she was If you loved her Mission Impossible, you are going to Fall in what love with her. her no, I really, really yeah, love her. Mission yeah. Impossible. She, she, she had. Yeah, she was the. She was absolutely the antagonist. Yeah, hell yeah. And that, yeah, she was but, scary, but she looked good still. But she was scary. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Doctor Sleep is that's like her Heath Ledger Joker for sure. She that was, was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Plus, Doc, I, that scared me all over again. You know, Doctor like, Sleep is great, it's really and good. she's one of the main. Tommy, you are going to have a blast watching that. You are right. not ready for that. And I implore you, don't watch that alone. Yeah, I re- don't I, watch that alone with the lights off. Scenes, that movie the, will scare the shit the, out of you. I would just say the bathtub scenes scared the shit out of me. I forgot all about that one. That's a good one. Yeah, watch Doctor Sleep. Yeah, that's Doctor Sleep is awesome. And you got your boy um, Obi Wan Kenobi in there. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, you oh, are. Yeah, I forgot. Oh, yeah. Okay. If you're a Rebecca Ferguson fan now, you're you're going to be obsessed with her after Doctor yeah. Sleep. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Like and it. there's one more movie of hers that's. 
it's probably going to be my hidden gem for later, so I'm not going to mention it. But overall, I have to say I'm a great big fan of hers. I'm a fan of her character that they introduce in Mission Impossible, and I'll explain to you later why I think she's probably the most important character of that franchise the last couple of movies and why it works so well, like financially. But I'll I'll try to connect that dot. Ryan, I'm really looking forward to arguing about this, about my opinion on Mission Impossible. We'll get to that later, but yeah, stand ovation for her. I think she deserves it. She deserves everything that's coming her way. Talented actress, great action star, and Tom Cruise made a great pick adding her to the franchise. So yeah, salute to y'all out there. Salute to her. She's a great actress, and I absolutely love her and adore her. I think she's the best part of this whole franchise. So stand ovation for me, Rebecca Ferguson. And yeah, and just a quick heads up so you're not blindsided, you won't get too many arguments from me because uh, that is my major gripe about the movie. I got a few gripes, but the uh, elimination of Rebecca Ferguson's character and the nonchalant way it was handled was my biggest gripe. Uh, I fully that was actually my second biggest gripe about that movie, about her character not making it. I, I know there in a lot of franchises, they miraculously make up some kind of storyline where somebody survives and they make it into the second one. Well, maybe I'm just thinking about uh, Fast and Furious, how they keep bringing people back for whatever reason. But if somehow or another she makes it to part two, that would be a great, great upgrade right there as far as keeping her in there and not writing her out like they did in this one. Because I feel like, like you said, it was unceremonious. It was terrible. It wasn't as impactful. I feel like they got over it really, really quickly and it really pissed me off. But I think I hope that they make it so that she lives for some weird ass reason. She makes it to the next one. You're not alone. I'm, and I would imagine most of the major fans of this franchise feel the same way. She was a a, an, a fantastic addition, uh, more so than I would even say uh, Simon Pegg and your boy Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner. I would say she was the best yeah. addition. What if the, they and never explained what not, happened he, to him either? But I, we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah, right, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm sorry, Sean. You you want to take sound? Yeah, I, I got another one. Um, this guy's a legend, and it just goes to show you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be a, the most handsome man in the world. You talking about Seal? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah, yeah. He, he's one of the best singers of all time. But uh, this guy is one of the best. He's been around forever. Uh, Danny DeVito, man. I'm going to go with Danny DeVito. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And he I hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah. 78, guys. He's 78 years I old. I thought he'd be older than that for I thought, I thought he was younger than that. I thought he might be like 65. This 65, almost 70. This, this dude looked 75 80. when I was a kid. I yeah, always he, thought he was an old guy. Yeah, he was, he'd been he, old forever like Morgan Freeman. Man. <laughs> he ain't yeah, never uh, had a youth. I, I watched this movie um, called Throw Mama from the Train. I love that Billy movie. Crystal. You're just now saying I love that, that No, movie. no. I've seen this when I was a kid, loved this movie, and my parents used to quote it all the time. Like they always, and it's always, not really a kid's movie. It's not at no, all, no. not at all. But it's so dope. Him and Billy Crystal is so dope, and him, you know, uh, asking Billy Crystal, he comes to like comes to he's like a writer, maybe like uh, and he comes. I believe to his, so. Yeah, he comes to him and asks if he can kill his mom because he can't do it. But then he it's just uh, the girl from the lady from the Goonies is his mom, the old ass lady who's just mean as hell and shit. And I always. Think of when I think of uh, see Danny Vito, I think throw Mama from the train. I don't know. I, I even he's got legends in way better movies probably, and this is a good one and it's right. But I just whenever I see him, I think him and Billy Crystal arguing over who's going to kill Mama. You know, what I mean, like I just always as a kid watched that with my brother. Thought that was pretty awesome. I love Danny DeVito for that. But I mean, we 
Matilda. He's got great movies, man. I'm just going to start off with a couple here. Twins. I like everybody. I'm pretty sure all Love of us love movie. Twins, right? That can, I mean, that can arguably be his, his more popular movie. Right, his most yeah. popular movie, I, Twins. Batman, I probably would say, was when he played the Penguin. Maybe he might I be keep able. forgetting that he played Penguin. I ain't yeah, gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. He's hard to because so many Batman's been out. Batman because I Returns, think about right? that Batman. I think about Catwoman first before I think about Penguin. Yeah, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. But he was he was the Penguin. He, he was good. He looked he like was he very was good. always eating fish and stuff. He he, he played a, he played that well. You know, what I mean, he was, he would be like what I think the Penguin would probably uh, most likely be like. Um, Matilda is that one you guys like? Yeah, I love I've that one. Matilda. Matilda. I, yeah. I've seen it, but I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Matilda, but. It's um, probably more impactful if you watch it as a kid. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. Watching yeah. it as an adult feels kind of weird. Um, they remade. They made another one. It's called Junior. That had Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Is that one? They made another one. I thought they made. I it, hope not. Maybe I'm. Maybe this is just something that's on here. Oh, uh, it's only maybe one they, maybe it's coming yeah. down the pipeline of oh, them okay. making remaking another one. That would really right, right. that would really um, disappoint me if they did. Taxi. Everybody loves that with uh, Robert De Niro. All right, right. Forgot he was in that show. Yeah, it's okay. a classic. Uh, it's always sunny and um, that, that that's a TV show. Okay, he was in that. The I hear a driver. lot of good things about that TV show. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. I, I had a friend who told me she loved this show, and I could never get into it. I used to watch it on Hulu when, when I first when I first got Hulu. Uh, it's got a big fan base. That's not for me, but I could see like if you. I guess I didn't give it a much of a chance. I'll be honest with you, but it wasn't funny like I thought everybody else was saying. Um, Haunted Mansion. He must be in that one coming up. The oh, that's the new one with uh, yep. Keith Stanfield. The, the Keith Stanfield. Flop on the uh, way. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that looks like a real big flop right uh, there. Dumbo. Um, I don't remember him. Must, yeah. He was in Dumbo. Okay. That's one of the few Tim Burton movies I never saw, but yeah. I hope it's good. Renaissance Man. Yeah, we got seen that. Okay. My, my wife yeah. loves that movie. Okay, great. Had uh, Stacey Dash with her. Yeah, I don't want to be movie. black anymore, ass. Yeah. Um, we got a Man on the Moon. Uh, he was in. He that. was awesome in that. Yeah. yeah. Love that movie. Um, he's got a huge catalog. We go on and on. Oh, Hoffa. Hoffa. Uh, he yep, directed yep. that one, I believe, didn't he? Did he direct that? I'm the 99 percent sure he, yeah, he, he directed that movie. Danny DeVito I did? think you might yeah. be right about uh, that, Tom. Uh, Deck the Halls. He was in that. Yeah, we got to talk about that. <laughs> right, yeah. We did scraping the bottom Broderick. of the barrel yeah, on that yeah. one. Was, I'm just going down the list. He was in, um, he made some cartoons. He was in Hercules, the cartoon from 1997. <laughs> Um, this this guy's been around. He's in tripl- L.A. Confidential. He's- uh, yes, get into that. Triplets. He was in Triplets. Triplets. Um, yeah. I don't remember that one. Yeah, Danny DeVito. Ryan, you know that one? No. <laughs> that Damn, Triplets. Yeah. Is, what is that? Who's who else is that? That better not be the sequel to Twins. It looks I swear. like some bullshit. <laughs> Somebody m- must have made up some because it has Eddie Murphy in it. Uh, on the cover of the movie, so I don't know what the hell that was. Hoffa, like you guys mentioned, yeah, but triplets. I don't know. I never heard. What year that come out? It didn't say. I'm looking that one up right now. I've never There's heard no of year this movie. on it. Yeah. Uh, what's the worst that could happen? He was in that with uh, oh Martin, Martin Lawrence. Lawrence. I remember that. I, I, I like, like that the movie. Fuck is Martin Lawrence doing on that. Yeah, I, I remember that one. He plays doing. like a thief and he plays like a rich man. They yeah. basically go, he yep. steals his ring. And like after he gets caught trying mm-hmm. to rob his house, right. I thought that was kind of funny. I thought that was dope. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Um. We got this is a huge catalog. I'm not gonna go through all. Oh, of and uh, Jumanji. I think that was the more in, recent one. But that's that, what he the played next the, level. Okay, that was a second. He plays one. like his grandfather, and Danny Glover plays Danny like Glover, his best friend. Right. Yep, you're right. You're right. I did see that uh, Jumanji in here. Uh, this goes to show you, like he's just been around forever, man. He's Mars Attacks. He was in Mars Attacks. I forgot I about. I haven't yeah. seen Mars Attacks in a long I time. I remember watching as a kid, more or less. Uh, the Lorax. He must have played a voice in the Lorax. Yeah, that that was underwhelming. Um, the, the one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, 
must I have oh, never seen that. I have never seen a nineteen seventy. I gotta watch that again. I forgot. I, I forgot he was in that. Oh, he's he's a legend. Oh, did you man. say Get Shorty? Get Shorty? No, I haven't said that yet. Oh um, man, uh, great that, movie. That is a great movie. Get yes. Shorty's a great one. Um, was he in Pulp Fiction? They have him as credited as Pulp Fiction, but I don't remember him being in there unless I missed something. It must have been a very small part. He was not in Pulp Fiction unless he's a producer or something. Uh, if he was a producer, that makes a lot more sense. But him sense. as a, like an actor, I don't remember him in Pulp Fiction. I've seen that movie like a hundred times. Yeah, I have, uh, yeah, I've definitely never seen him in there. And the heist, uh, I mean, it's been, been played in a movie with the heist. Danny Is that Camino, the Gene Hackman? Gene movie? Hackman, yep, he was in Ooh. that one. Yep, yep, so don't remember that one. Yeah, Terms of Endearment. Did we say that one? Terms that's a good one, yeah. actually. Yeah, that's Terms not a movie yeah. that's on my list anywhere ever. Yeah, yeah no. so. <laughs> actually, not bad, Tommy. Yeah, you guys both give that a chance. All right, all right. You Wait. always surprise me in what movies you are willing to watch. Yeah, I yeah. I didn't think I would like it. He also is doing uh, is it Jimmy John's or uh, he does yeah, a he does, like, he does one of those promotions. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, so he's he's making a nice little comeback. You see him here and there now, here every every once in a while. Great actor, funny guy. Um, just like I said, it just one of those goes to show you don't have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody like that or Rocky or uh, Sylvester Stallone or and big guy, classically yeah, handsome yeah, guy. This yeah, he's close to being a midget. You know what I mean? Like, but he's. Um, <laughs> He's definitely getting older. That was generous, Sean. He is a midget. No, yeah, I, I wouldn't call it, but he's very small. Are we even allowed to say midget yeah, anymore? Is it that. like little they call it little sure people? Yeah, they call small it person. Sure but he's a class. He's a, he's a he's a he's one of the legends in the acting world. And uh, like I said, Throw Mama from the Train makes me laugh every time I see it. On, and if you want to watch that, that's on Tubi. Of course, I like to watch Tubi a lot now. Uh, but um, yeah, I thought of that. I thought of Danny DeVito, and I see him on the commercials here and there. Uh, great actor, funny guy. Legend had killer catalog, Danny DeVito for me tonight. So. Great pick right there. Great pick. He is absolutely a Hollywood legend. Oh yeah. I'm almost amazed at how impactful on certain actors are, like in this industry. And I always feel like I overlook a lot of actors and actresses as far as like how long they made an impact in my life. Danny DeVito's been around for a long time. Right. A long time. And that'll make him that's not not saying that to make him feel old. But it's almost like just looking ahead when people die, you know how they look back and they they start to realize how impactful certain people are as far as what they've done in their industry. I feel like when he goes, he's definitely one of those people they're going to look back at like we should have showed him a lot more appreciation like while he was here because he absolutely left a mark on this industry for the better, you know, for better, for worse. He's done the most amazing job that I think he could have done, especially with, like you said, being vertically challenged and not yeah. handsome, yeah. like right. he, he's been—he's been a very, very talented actor. And, For sure. And if he did direct Hoffa, like I do believe he did, a talented director. So yeah, shout out to him for what he's done on that one. Directing a great movie with uh, Jack Nicholson as the lead. Yeah. I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger saying that uh, Twins was one of his favorite things he ever done because Danny DeVito was such a, uh, such a good time that he he ranked it like one of his favorite movies that he's ever done, even over like um, Terminator and stuff, because he said it was something different playing that role. It was more goofy and all that stuff. And Danny DeVito was like his best, one of his best friends to this day. So, yeah, yeah sometimes yeah. it's not all about yeah. the impact that you yeah. made for the audience. This is more like the impact you made for yourself, yeah. like working with certain people. You know, I absolutely would take a pay cut. If I was like one of these big Hollywood stars, I would take a pay cut for one to work with uh, either Denzel Washington Kevin Hart. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, no offense, Kevin Hart. If you want to yeah. put me in a movie, thank you. But I'm not looking forward to like working with Kevin Hart because it's probably going to be some really, really weird, goofy-ass movie where he plays like <laughs> some kind of action star, some goofball, something like that. I don't want to watch that. But him, Meryl Streep, 
And you know what? I really want to work with Samuel Jackson. Samuel oh, Jackson yeah. will probably be oh, like yeah. on a short a short list for me to work with because I feel like everybody in Hollywood will work with him. Why not me? <laughs> like he made like seventeen thousand movies. Yeah. I think I can get in there too. And he probably don't even care what the movie script is. He's like, right. "Y'all want me in a movie? All right, I'm free this weekend. We'll be doing, motherfucker. <laughs> it's probably gonna be something like that." All right, I'm sorry, Ryan. No, no you, you go ahead. Finish the final leg of this uh, standing ovation. Like, who you got for us this week? Uh, I'm gonna use inspiration for one of the current events going on in the entertainment industry. So, uh, the same thing sure has to do with the strike. Oh yeah. Okay. There so you go. guys have heard that there's a writer strike, and more recently, there's the actors joined in as well. I've and, been hearing about that, yes. Absolutely. And I'm going to uh, use my stand ovation to uh, credit two screenwriters who uh, contributed to some of my favorite movies and entertainment of all time uh, for, for my stand ovation. And uh, they both had different career paths. So the first writer I'm going to I'm gonna kind of cheat a little bit, so I'm going to have two individuals for my stand ovation. The first one is uh, someone who uh, relates to to me a little bit more just because he made a quote that he probably would have been more successful in the entertainment industry if he was more of a mercenary. Cause okay, you have to explain that one. A lot of, uh, when you're a writer, and this is some of the gripes they have, let's say you have a great idea for an action movie. You've got... Uh, whole bunch of uh, bad guys who are trying to steal a secret amount of money located in an underground tunnel at Cedar Point. And that might be the best action movie ever made, possibly. Okay. If some producers buy that property from you, there's no guarantee that that's the movie that's going to be made. They they, They have a call with an option fee which has gotten lower as the years have progressed. Now, these two rides I'm going to mention, in those times they would pay you anywhere from $20,000 to $200,000 to option your script for three months to two years, and they get to develop it and see if they can make it a movie, and if not, uh, the rights go back to you, but you still get that <coughs> upfront fee. And if So they, basically they're buying to, I guess, quote-unquote, like, somewhat lease it out to them exactly that's that's exactly what's going on that's called uh selling your script on spec uh it's uh you put your script out there and find a buyer then they pay you to be able to develop it um for a certain amount of time and those guidelines change but it's usually written out um in a contract and that that contract is different for each writer and whatever the ideal is uh to this day the most money ever paid to a screenwriter, this is going to blow y'all's mind. It is for the uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. With, with Gina uh, Davis? Gina Samuel Davis Jackson? and Samuel Jackson. Huh. They paid that guy $4 million for that screenplay. No screenwriter has ever gotten more money ever for a movie. Now, uh, that guy was the first person to get killed in the first Predator movie who's also the writer of The Lethal Weapon. He oh, came Shane up, Black. Shane Black. Damn, I'm on it tonight. <laughs> yeah, good stuff, Tom. Yeah, he the one Shane that got, Black. Yeah, he got ripped up. They, they, were, they tried to find the stuff. The, he he was the guy off the glasses yeah, telling, yeah, yeah, telling, yeah, the, telling the jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah Shane yeah, Black, yeah. 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 Didn't Shane, he direct Iron Man 3? Yes, he did. He did one of the Predators. He did Predators or one of the Predators? Yes. Yeah. He, did, uh, he did the terrible Predators. Yeah. Like The Predator, I believe. Yeah, The Predator, yeah. That was... Oh, 
Yeah, that was terrible. I, I, I thought that <laughs> Let it go, man. Friends. We cannot be sidetracked I with thought, what you I thought hate. that movie was going to be great. But, I enjoyed it, but that's just me. Um, the guy that I'm quoting right now, uh, his, his name is Ron Shelton, and uh, he is uh, the original writer and director of White Men Can't Jump. He's oh, also salute done, to you, sir. He, he you. makes great sports movies. He's, he's also uh, done one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, the Kevin Costner golf movie Ten Cup. I can't. I don't have enough time in this podcast to express my love for the movie Ten Cup. I love that movie. Love, love that movie to death so much. Uh, he's also the writer and director of Play to the Bone. Uh, oh, Antonio Banderas and uh, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Another underrated, a very gym. underrated movie. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Samuel Jackson underrated Jim, the Great White Hype, where he's playing. Oh man, all right, man, we cooking with gas. Right now. <laughs> yeah, right, Sheldon is awesome. Yeah. We getting into it. He says, but this is what his passion is. So he's even he even made the quote. He was like, yeah, I could be way more successful as a lot of other screenwriters if uh, you brought me on to write a, a sci-fi movie dealing with spaceships and shooting out of space. He was like. That's just not my passion. I can't. I can't write for that. And that's what most writers have to go through. Everybody, ha- every person who tries to make it as a writer, and whether it be television or cinema, they have their po- passion project to try to get on the ground. But most studios and executives won't buy that. They just see your talent in that and want. They try to bring you on to other projects that they have more faith in. And not everybody can survive that. Ron Shelton even expressed that he couldn't survive that. And he just happened to get the movies that he really was passionate about made. Uh, And that's what a lot of writers have to go through coming up in the industry and have to survive in that climate. Because let's say you think you wrote the funniest movie ever made. There's no guarantee that a Hollywood executive producer or the people who are in charge of getting that movie in a production feel the same way. And they have more projects that they are more comfortable with. And they'll they'll bring you on to try to improve something that they couldn't quite hit the mark on. And now you're put in a room with three other writers that might not have the same sense of humor as you. Sure. That, that's, that's, not, that's not an easy job uh, uh, to survive in. And, and the payouts are not what they used to be. So that's a big part of the strike because uh, there's, there was a, a great way of making money as an actor – or as a writer with syndication. So if your show gets syndicated where a TV channel plays your show, pretty much plays reruns of your show five days out the week, you are officially syndicated. You're guaranteed to get a check in the mail at least once a month with the new age of streaming and everybody trying to cut the cable cord. The payouts are different. How the executives and the studios make money is different. And and the way they pay the talent is different. So that's a big reason why there is a strike and why we're in for a turbulent time in the movie and TV show industry. There's uh, we, we're going to go back to COVID 2020 here pretty soon with this strike. And uh, I, I don't see this getting resolved here uh, before the fall. I don't see it happening before the fall. That's unfortunate because they're postponing a lot of production. A lot, a lot. And this might be the tip of the iceberg. But Ron Shelton, uh, salute to you, sir. He found You found your niche, and you were able to have a successful career. He's also behind uh, the great sports movie uh, Blue Chips. Shaquille oh, Nick Nolte. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, absolutely. Sure. And uh, another great Kevin Costner movie. 
Bull Durham. Uh, great, great writer, great filmmaker. Is that the one with uh, Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins? We're talking about the baseball one? Yes, yes, Bull, yep. Oh, okay, Absolutely. okay, okay. Well, good for this, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Salute to this guy right Absolutely. here. Absolutely. And real quick, man, let's give him a hair horn. What is this man? This dude gave me some classics right there. He did, and I, I do want to give a real quick shout out. I, I promise I won't go on tangents. There's another writer. Uh, he managed to play that mercenary role, and he managed to work on a lot of movies and survive as a writer as well. Stephen E. Souza, uh, he is the writer behind the original Die Hard. He also worked on TV shows uh, such as Gemini Man, The Six Million Dollar Man, Knight Rider. He is the writer behind the original 48 Hours, uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash, one of Whoopi Goldberg's better movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, The Running Man, uh, one of your favorite movies, Tommy Hudson Hawk. Uh, there you go. I, I still stand by that. But he had to play ball as well. He he was also the writer on the Flintstones. <laughs> and well, damn, that sounds random. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And uh, he also got a writing credit on the John Clyde Van Damme Street Fighter movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he which probably was, want to give that away. <laughs> but he got paid at least. Okay. But believe me, if you wrote the original Die Hard, you got some damn talent. And I'm sure whatever movie he was writing before it became John Clyde Van Damme Street Fighter was pretty awesome as well. He's somebody who learned to play ball and let other people buy his ideas, even though they made the movie that they didn't want to make. So shout out to you guys getting those paychecks that will never happen again for writers. And shout out to you guys for standing with the writers on strike when Netflix is trying to pay people $20 to $100 a month, even though that TV show got 10 million streams in a month. So shout out to you guys for paving the way for these up-and-comers, and uh, thank you for standing for the cause. Absolutely. Absolutely right there. You know what? We with you. Everybody out there on strike, we stand behind y'all. Y'all deserve all this. Y'all deserve everything that y'all been losing out on. I'm with I'm with the strike, but at the same time, I'm selfish. Like, man, I, I want y'all to get what y'all want, but... Bring me my damn TV shows and my movies back. I hear that. Man, as soon as I heard it hit Deadpool 3, I was like, all right, man, y'all went too damn far right <laughs> now, man. Y'all need to pull it back, all right? You're being selfish. About that. Man, we got Beast Mode in the movie here. I, I, this is probably going to be funny Yeah, hey, I was wondering what the hell we were looking at. <laughs> all right, Marshawn Lynch, Lynch has to be like one of the most naturally funny hilarious. athletes ever. You ever seen him, Man in Man vs. Wild, where he was with Bear? Uh-uh. You know who Bear Growls is? Yeah. But, Please, if you guys get home, watch that. Marshawn Lynch is in one of the episodes, and this dude is arguing with this dude the entire time. He was like, yeah, man, we're going to jump across this rock. He's like, who going to jump across this rock? <laughs> he was like, you, Marshawn. You know, he got that little accent. He's like, man, you got me effed up. You know, he's blurting it out and shit. He's like, this dude's crazy, man. I'm from the hood, man. We'll do that shit. He's like, you see that that wild pig over there? He said, we're going to use this spear. He's like, man, get the hell out of here. I don't throw no damn spears. It's just like, her, you just could imagine Marshawn Lynch in the wild. Just, just imagine that. He's hilarious. He's that still himself great. eating Skittles and shit. And they're, they're trying to fight a wild boar. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. He's, he's, he is an icon of his, on his own. So yeah, Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, I think he would have made a great Navy SEAL if the NFL had been inside. <laughs> this guy was made for the military. He's a psychopath. Who, Marshawn Lynch? Yeah. 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 This is uh, if uh, military usually puts the more intelligent, athletic people in their 
upper class of military. Yeah. Hence the Navy SEALs. Marshawn Lynch would have been a Navy SEAL. He is incredibly intelligent, but he is a crazy. And he's going to be supreme himself. He's going to be absolutely himself. not going to change for anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. The mil- Yeah. If he'd have made it to NFL, he'd have been fighting over there in <laughs> Afghanistan. I guarantee. He, he's got a chance to do something in TV and whatever he chooses to do. So yeah, I feel yeah. like he can just go around, just make cameos on every TV show and every movie, right. just be himself. Like, hey, this man, just show up on the set, man. Just do you. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's all sure. you got to do. Like, just just talk to him. Like, we'll just keep the cameras rolling, and something funny is going to happen oh, yeah, yeah. eventually. So and yeah. For all you football heads out there, just remember that Buffalo didn't make the playoffs. We had Marshawn Lynch, C.J. Spiller, and Fred Jackson as our backfield. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Fred I Jackson, C.J. Spiller, yeah. but C.J. Spiller was incredible. Yeah, speaking of football, Bernard Pollard's in the Indiana Hall of Fame. Uh, well, he North, deserves North, that. Yeah, yeah. So. He absolutely oh, deserves that. Bernard Pollard, yeah. Shout out to that yeah, man. Yeah. Applause right there. Yeah. You know what? This is... It's something to make a Hall of Fame. This dude's won a Super Bowl. This dude, he's done a lot, you know, more than I ever thought. So Shout out uh, to Bernard. Yeah, man. our old classmate. Yep, so... That's why I ain't going to every reunion. Everybody gonna be surrounding him, man. Like, I'm like, going on, man. Like, like I did some shit in life too, y'all. Shit. I got a family. I got kids, man. Come on now. Hello, how y'all doing? I graduated just like this fool. All right, let me let me stop hating, man. I, I need to calm down on my hate. Now we got our binge worthy. Yeah. This week, Ryan, you got yours ready. You want this? All right, I want to hear what you got for binge worthy this week, man. Go ahead, tell us what you got. You know, I'm going to go the same route as you, and uh, we're going to talk about the uh, recent blockbuster in theaters right now, for uh, now showing, I'm sure. So while a part of me was extremely disappointed that um, uh, Mrs. Ferguson was uh, killed off in a nonchalant way in Mission Possible 7 and kind of replaced by this new female thief, I... Uh, I am a big fan of the actress of that female Haley, Haley Atwell. Haley, Haley Atwell. Popular as Peggy Carter from uh, Captain America, the first one. That is, I know yes. I've seen her somewhere. Yes. She's fine as hell. But she, she's great. I, and uh, the only reason for my dislike of that character in this new Mission Impossible is because they were trying to replace her. It felt like they were replacing her with Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson. And uh, the chemistry that her and Tom Cruise built up in the previous two movies. I don't think that it was fair to ha- try to force feed that chemistry and them just meeting each other. And she's just known as a thief pretty much. Uh, but I am happy to see her get a blockbuster role. So I do want to give my binge worthy to agent Carter, which was a very underrated show and which is currently streaming on Disney plus uh, the, the plot line for this is, um, she's pretty much uh, working with the pre-Shield in the MCU, and uh, is this like post, II. like Captain America? Yes, yeah, post Captain America, and she's working with uh, Tony Stark's dad, Howard Stark. Okay, and uh, she actually eventually ends up in the first season getting framed for uh, selling arms to. America's enemies by Howard Stark and it's her trying to pretty much keep both of them out of not only death but prison as well and 
Agent Carter is, is is freaking great. It's a damn shame that ABC did a, such a bad job of promoting it, and I felt it could have only got better. Um, I do feel there is a certain appeal with uh, storylines that deal with the past, just because those kind of storylines in TV and movies can almost feel timeless. So it doesn't always have to be stuck with being of the moment and of that certain era. You're you're going back in time and trying to capture that moment. Now, I've talked repeatedly of how they've tried to glorify the 80s, my dislike with modern pop culture, with how they've tried to glorify the 80s, and I deal with some of the bad stuff that happened in the 80s as well. I know a lot of people love the 80s. I do to a certain extent. I think there were some good movies and music in the 80s, but to kind of skirt around the bad stuff that happened in the 80s as well, I'm looking at you, AIDS. I'm looking at you, crack pandemic. And uh, I'm looking at you, white Michael Jackson. How did Michael out. Jackson catch a string? Hey, you, can't talk, you, t- you can't talk about the AIDS without Michael Jackson. You can, uh, if you really want to. If you try <laughs> yeah, really hard, you I, can. Good point. That's a good point, actually. Um, with uh, Disney Plus trying to pump all their new content onto us, and... Uh, I'm still needing to catch up with the Samuel Jackson show, but I've heard what they did with Don Shields' character, and I'm not too happy about that. But I haven't seen the latest episode, so I plan on watching that. Mm-hmm. Either I when it. I get home, if it's a timely fashion, or I'll probably catch that on my lunch break or something tomorrow. But, yeah, I am looking forward to finishing that one up because I am impressed with that show. I, 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 I will definitely catch up before next week. But Agent Carter, uh, Haley Atwell, it's a damn shame that show only lasted two seasons. And hopefully if uh, we get some good talent involved, I don't think that storyline's finished and I wish it would have lasted longer than that. I do feel that show will continue to find its audience. And um, yeah, I was just waiting for a good time to bring up the show, but I've, I've really, I really enjoyed those first two seasons. Agent Carter currently streaming on Disney plus absolutely binge worthy. Give it a chance. Okay. Can I make it an admission right now? That's sure. one of the few Marvel projects that I did not watch at all. Um, well, it was before Disney Plus came out, so it, was, it came out on ABC. Yeah, that should be that shouldn't be any excuse to me because I watch Agents of Shield in real time, and I love Agents of Shield. So and when I, Peggy Carter came out, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I'm. They that didn't interested. do a good job advertising. If it wasn't for word of mouth, I wouldn't. It didn't look appealing to me at all. Actually, yeah. it was just word of mouth that made me give it a chance. And uh, I really feel that Haley Atwell is a big reason for that show's success. And uh, I just felt they were tip of the iceberg with the potential dealing with post-World War II American government. And it, it was there was some pretty intriguing stuff on there. And, uh, yeah, if I, I don't, with the current state of things, don't be surprised if they try to do a revival and we do eventually get a season three. Uh, I, you guys are in for a field day when you go back and watch Agent of Shield. That's unfortunately uh, extremely underlooked and underrated, and I'm even guilty when I um, don't include it with what my favorite Marvel shows is. So, uh, yeah, that's right up there with uh, uh, Loki. Uh, you think so? I, I, I like it better than Loki, actually. I, I would even say I Dang enjoyed it. Loki. And what's uh, what's Sean? What's your show? Oh, WandaVision. Uh, WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I would even say I liked it more than WandaVision those first two seasons. And, Damn. And my my current 
of the modern crop is the uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier show. Uh, that was my favorite of the of the current ones. It didn't live up to its full potential either, and they definitely didn't stick the landing. But uh, yeah, I would even say I would even go as far as say Agent Carter is the best out of all those shows. Yeah, it just was saying a lot. Disney right Plus just didn't exist at the time, and that was just a an ABC Marvel show. But and it wasn't required viewing. They didn't Marvel wasn't shoving it down viewers' throats that. You have to watch these shows to keep up with the MCU. That only happened once the pandemic hit and most people were not going to the cinema. That's when they started shoving down. You have to watch these TV shows to keep up. That was a survival tactic. This was just uh, pretty much icing on the cake. Marvel was in its prime at the time and it got overlooked. But Agent Carter, uh, in my opinion, is the best Marvel show. And uh, you guys are in for a treat. And I'm guilty myself for forgetting about how great that show was and we were talking about our favorite marvel shows agent carter is great and uh i'm i'm even though i'm not happy i did rebecca ferguson and i'm not always sold on her character in this i am happy to see that Haley atwell got her shot in a big blockbuster and it reminded me of how good she was as agent carter and it's just too bad she was delegated to tv instead of the movie franchise and it got criminally overlooked but Agent Carter's a good binge-worthy. You guys are in for a treat. Okay, you have me convinced. I missed out on a gym, so I'm going to double back and I'm going to go see what I missed. Sean, what you got for binge-worthy um, this week? I got one I watched on uh, Netflix called Quarterback. Did you guys see that? Oh, I want to see that so bad. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Peyton Manning made it. but he's, he's behind that? Yeah, Peyton Manning's behind that. And it's interesting that um, they got Patrick Mahomes, but the other two quarterbacks that they're focused on are not. Very good. I, you uh, know, I hate. Is this a competition show? Kirk no, it's just like uh, docu- behind the scenes of their lives. So they got Patrick Mahomes, but then they got Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota. Is the other two people? I'm like, all right, how they get? I guess Kirk you could. It's the Kirk Cousins. I hate him. But, but boring, the- boring life. But uh, yeah, no, I can. He seems like a good guy, a good family guy, and all that stuff. So I can see what they're doing. But they're just showing them, um, you know, behind the scenes of what happened over the um, NFL season, the past season. Um, just them living in their life, showing their big ass houses and you know luxuries that they have. Especially Patrick Mahomes, this dude does whatever the hell he wants. Five hundred million dollars. Five hundred. Yeah, this dude does whatever he want, whatever he wants. Um, he's got two kids, two a baby, another baby on the way. I think he's got a three, almost almost three. But um, yeah, just showing him with his wife and same thing with Kirk Cousins, and it's just showing them their lifestyles. Just a nice little. Have you ready for football? Get you ready for football. Seeing how they prepare before games and stuff like that. This is a behind the scenes look at, you know, some of the, some of the, some of the players you might know, especially Patrick Mahomes. So uh, Patrick Mahomes is the only person I really watch when it gets to Kirk Cousins. All I'm like, oh, this is boring as shit. But um, just to see the behind the scenes stuff of how they live and it's interesting for the, for especially football fans and anybody who just want to see what they go through. So um, that's got some episodes to it. So I've been watching that and um, and Tubi they have a Bob Ross. Um, you know who Bob Ross, the painter? Of course. Yeah, yeah. They have one Love on him. Man. They have a, a show. Uh, he has a little show on Tubi. I believe it's a show. Um, but just showing just all his old episodes from PBS days. I was going to say, yeah, AI yeah, make yeah, its yeah, way into yeah, that. Yeah, no, oh, no, it's all God. him. It's all him. And just so this is, that was a legend amongst himself also. This dude was just, where he would come up with stuff and where he was going, I was like, man, I don't even see where you're going. Then that the finished product. You're like, God damn, this dude's a beast. You know what I mean? So don't know who Bob Ross is. He's probably one of the best artists of all time. 
He can make anything. He got this little palette on, on his left hand, and he just mixed colors all day. And just he, he this gonna be a mountain right here. And he just what the hell? I don't see no damn mountain. Then all of a sudden, oh shit, I see a mountain. You know, so oh happy yeah, trees. Yeah, yeah, happy trees, happy little cheese here, and we're gonna have some little fishes down here. They're gonna be smiling <laughs> at you. And man, damn man, you're a beast, Bob Ross. So he is. Give a chance, Bob Ross used to come on PBS. He's he's passed away, you know, some years ago, but he he was a, he's a legend too. So I watched that and. And quarterback, uh, whenever I get a chance. So only two uh, episode, anything with episodes that I watch. So and one of the best it. things I've seen on Twitter is they point out that all those Bob Ross paintings are actually one big landscape. So if you just think he's pointing, painting one forest in the trees, huh? if you put all those paintings together, he's painting one entire landscape. Every paint, yes, what? it's all tied together. Oh my god, and, he's yeah, a beast. He's a beast. Yeah, and you see all those paints tied together. <laughs> It's damn near a whole country he paints. Really? Yeah. Y'all know how fucking boss that is? It's, it's that all over his entire career, he's been painting like puzzle pieces? Yes, it's exactly what together. he's doing. Yes. That's beyond. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. There's a movie, there's, there's a, uh, one of the best movies ever made based on because he served in the military for 20 years. Really? Bob Ross, is, is his, his life story is incredible. Bob Ross's life story is absolutely I incredible. I, that. I can't wait to watch that. That's on a different level right Yeah, he, he's a genius. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, salute to him. And every, everything had to come together. You know, just him. That kind of blew yeah. my mind right yeah, now. Yeah, mine too. Everything like, yeah. is one big-ass painting that he just split up. It, that's exactly what That's wait amazing forward that. thinking right there. I'm telling you. But, I, I, yeah. don't, I don't get it. Yeah, how a mind could think like that. That Damn, is incredible. I, all I think about is an afro now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, so just, yeah, he's a genius. genius. Yeah. All right, my, my binge-worthy this week has been something that me and my family have been collectively watching all together. It's one of those shows that kind of keep us together. Just when I think my kids constantly want to run to their room, hide out, play video games. Yes, I'm looking at you, Isaiah. My son is sitting here recording the <laughs> podcast, so I'm talking to him and talking to y'all at the same time. This is one of those shows where it kind of keeps us together. We're all kind of like watching this at the same time. We all have different reasons why we like this show. But but for me, I think Modern Family is probably mm-hmm. one of the best binge worthies that I've had in a really long time. I love it when I catch a show that I missed in real time, but then they go back and put it on streaming, and you have a lot of back catalog to go through. So I have like eight seasons of one show that I can watch, and I can just binge for like weeks at a time. So like for the past two, three weeks at this point, we've been binging nonstop, just watching Modern Family all together as a family. And I think it's a great thing that we get to do that all together. It keeps us bonded, keeps us intrigued. We all have, like I said, this reason to watch it. I watch it because my wife watched this show. She's like, oh, my God, I wish like you were more like Phil. I'm like, what? <laughs> Phil? Like this dork right here? She keeps looking at him. She's like, oh, my God. Like he's just so funny and goofy and just loves her so much. She's like, I love you, too. Just like what she has pictured as what she thought I would be. As a husband, I was like, man, you really, really missed on this one. Because like, yeah. I am nothing like this guy right here. <laughs> and I'm, Which I, one is that? Which one is that? I've seen the show, but is, which character is it? It has like a, it has um, damn, who plays Phil? Yeah, have y'all seen the movie uh, Dawn of the Dead? Yeah. Where they were in the mall? Mm-hmm. Remember yeah, that one guy? Yeah, or... like he had like the, not the original, like the remake that had like Ving Rhames. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Uh, it yeah, was, yeah, it was the one dude that got rescued like halfway through the movie. He had like black hair, whatever. 
Yeah, because he's he's the one that plays Phil. Okay, okay. So yeah. that's the husband of the show of the one family, and of course she has like uh, Ed O'Neill, which is from Married with Children. Uh, Sophia Vergara, the, the gay couple. She's single yeah. now, by the way. Yeah, All these she, bachelors yeah, out there. Yeah. I, she's just not not my thing. Either, not my yeah. thing either. Her voice get on my nerves. Well, as beautiful as it. she is, her For voice annoys me, and those big ass porcelain teeth yeah. is just not 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 attractive to me. So. What I find traditionally beautiful in this day and age does not really attract me at all. I, d- I don't really go for that. Sophia she's Vergara. not top 25 by any means, but she's attractive. Let's give her age, and I wonder what she really looks like with all that stuff <laughs> she did to herself. What is that? I'm going to get you something? Yeah, she take off everything. <laughs> like the wig come off, the teeth come out, man. Yeah. She got a pig leg. Like I, <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need all that. But overall, I think this is probably one of the top 20 shows that's ever been made. This show is so damn funny i am impressed that it lasted through the six seasons that i watched it right now i think it ends at eight i'm very intrigued on how the show ends because usually like the last season or two that's when you usually see like a fall off as far as like the quality of writing i want to see how long it actually lasts and they finish it all the way through as far as giving us a quality show and it has like a great ending because i thought blackish was a great show, but the way that it ended, it kind of killed it for me a little bit. Because if they don't fit it, if you watch a really good movie, but it has like a really shitty ending, it kind of ruins like a lot of the stuff that you watched previously, which Agreed. is unfortunate. And I don't know if it's just like a mixture of writers or they just get lazy and they just want to end the movie really quick. But I think ending something is just as important as how it starts. Everything else in the middle is just like, you know, all the layers of lasagna. But if that top layer of cheese ain't good and that bottom layer isn't cooked right, Altogether, it can ruin the entire dish. Great analogy. I want this show to end well so badly that if it doesn't end the way that I think it should end, it's going to piss me off. It's going to ruin the entire seven, eight seasons that came before. So I'm really hoping, crossing my fingers, that this show ends well. But so far, what I've been watching, I think this is a great show right here. It's an amazing show. It's so damn funny. All the characters play a very specific role in how they carry the show, and they all play it perfectly. Everybody can see themselves in one character or another if you watch this as a family. So I think if you guys go out and watch Modern Family, I think it will be a great bonding moment for you and your family. If you want the kids something, something good for the kids to watch, something good for the adults to watch, because there's always something relatable in every last one of those characters, especially if you marry like me. You look at certain scenes, I was like, oh, damn. Damn, she looked just like you right now. She looked crazy as hell. Or she looked at the dude's <laughs> like, why can't you be more like him? Like, oh, look at him. Man. He's so considerate. He loves her so much. And he yeah. does so much to please her. I'm like, you know what? I bought you Starbucks the other day. You better <laughs> chill out. All right? I ain't got to be right. writing you love letters all the damn day. But it's not my, that, modern, yeah. modern family, I think that's a great binge right there. And I think I'm, you can saw on uh, Peacock. I believe Peacock got it. Yeah, Peacock. I watched got a couple one. episodes that came on. Uh, what was it came on NBC or ABC? I think it started on NBC, yeah. but I think they, when Peacock really got their streaming out and they started taking it off other streaming services, I think that's where it was. Supposed it was to be. definitely NBC because they, their Peacock is NBC. Okay, yeah, you're right. I watched a little bit of it, but never really got too far. You got to so. you got to stick through it at the very least. If you don't make through like the first half of uh, season one. And it, now, probably, it probably won't be your cup of tea because it's pretty much like that the entire way through. Right. And the little boy, the little, is it little, uh, Sophia, what's her name? Sophia Lagarda, whatever her name is. Sophia Vergara. The little, the chubby little boy. Is oh, pretty, the boy that yeah, act, he's yeah. a little kid that acts more like an adult. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty funny. He, yeah. He is, pretty, he is pretty And then funny. one of the gay guys are not even gay in real life. He just plays, I, I think it's the skinny one, not the chubby one. That's, one, oh, of, one of the gay couples, yeah, 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 he's not, he's not gay in real life. One of them is not. I couldn't remember that, but I, I, I watched a little bit bits and pieces here and there. So. Okay, it's just good acting yeah. right there. Yeah. I ain't bad at that. 
Oh, I hope I hope the LGBTQ plus whatever they are now. They probably had another letter <laughs> since this podcast ended. <laughs> like I think that they should. You know how they usually have gripes about. Oh, like uh, you should have like real gay people play gay characters, yeah. or whatever. I kept thinking to myself, it's acting. Right. You don't have to be true to the character that you're playing. You just have to play that character in the best the best way that you can. So I, I, I thought it was a silly argument that they made. They always want some kind of inclusion, and them being in movies just ain't good enough. Now they want they all all their characters to be. I remember. Um, it's like seriously, they all can't be gay. Like Adam, just have a good yeah, actor. Adam Sandler was saying to him, and when they played Chuck and Larry, there were some LGBTQ getting on him about them not pretending to be gay and all that. Really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a, that, and that was a while ago. That movie yeah. came out like 10, 15 yeah, years ago. Yeah, they were saying there was some people were like writing letters and stuff that wasn't right. You shouldn't pretend to be that if you're not oh that. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, I, 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 I just, yeah. I just don't get it. I just yeah. don't get it. Like, what's your gripe? Do you want more representation, or right. you want oh. representation on your terms? Yeah, yeah. That should be. Uh, yeah, I, I, if that's the case, I should be writing letters to Kevin Spacey for playing a, a straight man in American Beauty. How dare you play a straight man? That week, and Robert Downey maybe Jr. he was played a black man. And he turned <laughs> exactly. Robert Downey Jr. played a black man in the movie, exactly. But it was perfect. I, I like that. Yeah, that was straight parody. Probably yeah. his best role. Yeah. Yeah, Iron Man. <laughs> Hilarious. Great. Y'all see the meme where it had like Samuel Jackson and Eddie Murphy and Dave Chappelle, and then they had to do who he played in Tropic Thunder <laughs> in the back. He just standing there. I remember like, I think they did the same <laughs> thing with like uh, the black the black people from Marvel. Uh, oh yeah, it had like Don Cheeto, Samuel Jackson, Lawrence Fishburne, and uh, Chadwick Boseman. Then they had Robert Downey in the background. That's <laughs> his character from. Oh, I, I, that, that, that's funny that's right funny, there. Yeah. That's funny as hell. Every him, it's good. No, that's just it was like good acting. It was. It you know was. how impressive. You know how goddamn impressive it is. You can do blackface and nobody got mad. Really, nobody got mad. Yeah. They did, and he got an Oscar nomination off that movie. If I'm not mistaken, he's, um, he's, I don't think they gave him an Oscar. They should I'm, have. I'm 99 percent sure have. he got nominated for an Oscar that year. Look that up. If I'm wrong, then I'll pay for your next movie ticket. But I'm pretty sure he, <laughs> he got an should, Oscar he nomination. Should have. Just yeah, I believe it was the same the year that Heath Ledger Pretending got uh, his Oscar win off yeah. uh, The Dark Knight. Huh. I'm 99 percent sure. Definitely should have won over Heath Ledger, but more than anything, that pointed out how how they screw black actors in Hollywood. You talking about Robert Downey? Yeah, his character in Robert Downey, uh, Robert Downey's character in Tropic Thunder was pretty. His whole character, it was over the top. It was it was a parody, and they really hammered home the point of how they screw black actors in Hollywood. Even that other, that rapper who was, they threw in that Vietnam the booty juice. Yeah, he was like, we finally, <laughs> we finally get a good, good role for a black man. And they, they gave, gave it a cock about <laughs> <laughs> that, that was funny. Yeah, as well. that was great. Yeah. yeah. That was funny though. I, mean, it was, it was, it was, I wouldn't trade for the world. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that, that was, I wouldn't, if you get mad about that, you're the problem. Yeah. I true. would, that for sure. All right. New releases with now. Is there any movie that you guys watched this past week that was not Mission uh-uh. Impossible? Because uh-uh. I have nothing else. I have nothing. Else. I think you hammer it home, but man, I had a blast watching Extraction Two with Chris Hemsworth. Thank you. Oh Thank man, you. I had a blast watching that. That, almost, that movie is fucking awesome. I almost watched Sixty Five, and uh, somebody took me was, out of it. I was about to watch yeah. too, but I remember he disgraced it. Yeah, so bad. yeah. I wanted to watch it Sixty Five. I might watch that you, when I get home. You yeah. got. I'm telling you. That movie sucks. That movie sucks. And you said it, uh, and yeah, I, I believed you. That, yeah. I'm telling you, yeah, you are That's, going to feel like yeah. my boy in in the original Jurassic Park, looking at the camera for that Chris Hammond. Do you plan on having dinosaurs in your dinosaur movie? 
<laughs> I'm telling you, less than five minutes of dinosaurs in that movie. If you've seen the trailers, you've seen all the dinosaurs. Oh, actually. yeah, see, but I just saw it on Netflix. I'm like, man, damn, I might watch it. But a lot of times, like I said before, a lot of times we I can get a little influence on what we say because I look at it like, man, they said this sucks. I'll go watch something new or find something new. You see what I'm saying? I won't watch it just because we might have disgraced it. And I'll, I'll be like, I'll put it on the back burner is what I do. Oh, well, yeah. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that's that's the power of word of mouth. Yeah, yeah if, if you're on the fence about something and you keep hearing that something sucks, you won't ever give it a chance. I, I've, I've been guilty of that plenty of times in my life. I, I wish I would have listened to the, the public outcry because, yeah, 65 is uh, very underwhelming. And I, I was hoping for so much better. I was hoping that would be a hidden gem. That movie was not good, though. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm probably still going to watch it just to prove that I can stomach through a bad movie. Because I have to be that that cowboy going over the hill sometimes. It's intriguing enough. I do want to watch this to see. Sometimes I just want to watch a movie for the cinematography. Mm-hmm. Just to see how yeah. they shot certain scenes. Never mind if I don't see a damn dinosaur in it. I'm, I already accepted that that's going to be like the low light of the movie. But I still want to see how they choose to shoot a movie like this. And that I'm just an Adam Driver fan. I just want to watch him in a movie sometimes. Agreed. All right, so same here. I'll, Adam Driver is one of the best uh, young actors working in Hollywood right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And there was wasted, movie, there was one movie that I was starting this past week, but I didn't have a chance to finish it. And I believe that was uh, Infinity Pool. It's a movie with the one girl, uh, Mia Goth, that was in the the Pearl movie and X. What's Infinity? I know I know Mia Goth. What's Infinity Pool about? It's if I had to try to describe it ten ten different ways, I'll probably give you ten different descriptions of what I try to try to watch. But it it's really hard to describe. I the same way I try to describe Pearl. To somebody, just speaking it out loud, it just doesn't make sense. If you watch the trailer, you'll probably be more confused about it, and you be you probably have a hard time describing it as well. But I, just just let me circle back to that one. I'll bring that up next week because I'm definitely going to try to finish it this weekend sometime. But it's just one of those interesting movies where because I was just intrigued because I thought Mia Goff is a good actress, and I thought she had a really good scene in the uh, the movie Pearl, which was the prequel to X. And I thought, well, you know what, she's actually a pretty talented actress, and she does deliver pretty good you know, movies so far. And I think Infinity Pool was her and um, wherever that dude's name that was in uh, that Tarzan movie with uh, Margot Robbie. Skarsgård? Yeah, oh, but, yeah, one of the Skarsgård brothers. Yeah, not not the one that did like, Pennywise. I think no, it's his he's brother. he's the older one, yeah. Uh, Which, what, what is it, Bill or Peter? Bill. I, can't, I can't remember the name. Bill that Skarsgård. movie was actually not bad at all. What, Tarzan? What? Yeah, with Samuel L. Jackson in there? Yeah, it was I cool. enjoyed that. I, I, I thought, believe me, I thought that was going to be on my worst list. That that that's at least a B minus B movie. Okay, I need to double back and watch it. That was Brother Ant Man in the Watch. Alexander Skarsgård. Alex, there we go. Thank okay, you, thank there you. We go. But yeah, I enjoyed that Tarzan movie actually. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a guilty pleasure of mine. No yeah, sure. but I, I'll circle back. I'll watch Infinity Pool. I'll finish it sometime this week, and I'll I'll bring that back as a review for next week. I'll okay. get to that. That's why I was off my radar. All right. All right, so who wants to take lead on uh, Mission Possible uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1? Oh, it uh, sounds like you're going to have uh, the most negative opinion. Out. Uh, I'll go because... Um, yeah, I, I want to start on low vibrations yeah. what, right now. What theater did you guys watch? I saw it. it, it, it uh, I didn't watch it in IMAX. I ended up watching it on regular old like, uh, screen on a You know what? Core. I tried to go see the AMC, and they said we are having some technical issues on the, oh, at the Lord. theater. I was like, what the hell? So I said, I'm not even. Damn. Last time that happened, somebody pulled a fire alarm on me, so I'm not even going to deal with AMC. But I ended up watching it at Regal. Me and Lacey went, and um, 
She went right to sleep. So <laughs> Lacey, what is wrong with you? She could not make it. The first part was a little slower, I will say. Uh, I could tell she was struggling because she started leaning like this. And now once she leaned like that and that, I saw that chair recline, I was like, oh, that's it. She's out. <laughs> yeah, she's sucks. gone. I mean, she literally went to bed. She didn't even go to sleep she went to bed in the theater that's the but downside that, of having yeah. those recliner yeah, chairs yeah 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 and you can fall asleep real quick in those and, bad boys. and, and serious. but the only thing that kept her from going because there was some kids in there who obviously did not want to watch this movie like they just showed up and there's some teenagers and they were throwing their phone back and forth what in the theater and you All could right. tell people were getting pissed it was pissing me off and I'm like, man, get y'all asses I would have slapped out the here. shit out of those Yeah, kids. yeah. Like, you just, they probably should have just went and saw Insidious or something. But they were like teenagers. They were acting a fool. Yeah, Little but, Mermaid Yeah, or but once that, I got past that, the movie kicked off. We were good. Um, I, I I loved the movie. I thought it was great. I enjoyed the movie because I watched it by myself pretty much. And then the kids throwing the phone. But uh, uh, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Tom Cruise, I will say Tom Cruise started to look a little old. In some scenes, maybe it was just me, but He's 60 years uh, old. yeah, but now he didn't seem that way. Yeah, in but Tom Top Cruise Gun. doesn't age yeah, the same way as regular yeah, humans. Yeah, do. he didn't seem as that old to me in the Maverick, you know, Top Gun and Maverick. But he, this one made him look. Did you guys see that in y'all theater? Did they have like him and the director come on first? Uh, whatever it is, uh, McQuarrie. Yeah, did y'all did is? you have him? Like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. They really? came on first. Yeah, they said that uh, they were talking about the movie and is hoping you enjoy the movie. And had Tom Cruise looking like an old lady sitting there. He had like long hair and stuff. Like that's Tom Cruise. He, he loves rocking that that, that long old, hair. Long hair. When yeah. he's not doing the movie. Okay, so I thought that's why I got off thinking he looking a little old right there. But I enjoyed it. That that first couple scenes in the airport, I thought, man, this is dope, man. I I I wasn't on the edge of my seat because I was like, how the hell are they gonna pull this off? And then Simon Pegg playing with that bomb and shit. I don't know if you guys ever watched Ozark, but the bad dude is from Ozark. Yeah, I recognize yeah, him, yeah. and With I remember seeing him. Yeah, the, yeah, the Mexican dude. Oh, and right. he was also the he played the bad guy in that uh, Superfly uh, remake. Oh, okay. With uh, Trevor. Yo, yes, he did. Name. I couldn't picture. Which is an he Ken plays a, he plays a really he good, is a good bad guy. But do you remember him in La Bamba with? Uh, uh, yeah, he played his brother. Yeah, it was his brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. Okay, he's been around for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. He was him screaming no. He's a very, very yeah, yeah. talented, Ricky, no. underrated actor. Yeah, but he played a bad guy. He's, I thought he was a great bad guy in this. Um, I'm a little confused, so I'm going to let you guys, when you guys get to it, I'm sure you guys are going to answer some questions for me, because what I gathered is that this thing is like an information misreader kind of thing, like gives out false information in a way, and then it kind of can yes. confuse, like whatever we get like from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're getting fed that, right? If we were to get fed the wrong thing, we can can create a uh, total crisis, right? Like it kind of seems like they're playing off like the idea that you can delete your digital fingerprint. Okay, like okay. as far as like surveillance or something mm-hmm. like that, like you won't be able to be seen on any uh, CCTV right, cameras right. or anything like that. Yeah. So that's how he was being protected in the movie, as far as like this little. AI, whatever the hell they want to call, they had another name for it. What the uh, hell was it called? The entity, entity, the yeah, entity, yeah. whatever. Like it can get, it can feed you false information. And the way that he was navigating through the world is like it erased his image from every camera that right, ever been right. seen. So that was hard. It was so hard for them to find him. Got you. So that was interesting on how they did dope. that plot. And then that he had history with Tom Cruise. Is that a real storyline or is that something they added? I feel like they, they added, added that, but okay. they did not dive into that as much as I thought they were going to, right, as much as they yeah, try yeah. to play on that. Like, he killed, like, his first love, and this is the reason why he joined the IMF. Okay. 
That's but a nice little it, setup, but they did not spike well, that ball. Yeah, for the seventh movie in the franchise, you have had to hinted at that before. What I was trying to explain to Lacey, because she hasn't seen any Mission Impossible, because she's not a movie fan. But they, I'm trying to gather that, Lacey. Yeah, yeah. Are they they're, they're criminals in a certain way? Like, they might have been, like, hackers or something like that, and they give them a choice to go to prison or to become in this secret, you know, doing what they have to do these missions. Is that how it works with Mission Impossible? That's the way yeah. that they kind of yeah, described yeah, it. Like, yeah, they're so. all given a choice to join this or they go to prison or go to prison or right, something right. like that. So they, but they, that was never hinted at in any previous movie. No, ex- not at all. At all. And except uh, when uh, Tom Cruise uh, um, invited uh, Ving Rhames' character to join his team in the first one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's the only time they ever hinted that they, somebody had a criminal past. But. Right. They make it seem like that. Ben Ramos especially made it seem like you don't, you, you got to make a choice and you can become one of us or you can do this and that. I I enjoyed the movie. I'll go back to my, my review of the movie. Uh, I enjoy. I was on the edge of my seat, the airport scene where they were trying to find him and he had the wrong face. He was pissing those, uh, those agents off. I thought that was dope. Uh, I thought the action was dope. Uh, of course, he's always running. He's running full speed on the top of the airport. You know what I mean? Like, he this is, dude is dope. I think man. that's part of his contract. Yeah, he point. has to take Can off running. Can y'all name one then. movie that he didn't run in? I don't know. He probably ran in Even in Jerry Maguire, he was running. Did he run in top? Man? I don't see him running he, in. Yeah, yeah, he was running on the beach. Yeah, yeah he was. Shirt right, off and everything. Right. I, say, yeah. I don't remember him running an interview with the vampire. I know no, that. I don't think he did. That's what yeah. uh, Tom Cruise, I've seen That's how far back we got to go to get him back running. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um... Days of Thunder. I don't think he was running that. Yeah, no, he 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 still got. Even though he looked to me a little bit little older, but everybody else played it. Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames, being the the little uh, you know the the geek that he is with all the computer stuff, and they can get into anything. You know, what I mean, like they're super dope, man. They're talented. I like the team. I like Rebecca Ferguson, even though she she got the boot in this one. She got the death. I, I like the new girl. I like the girl that we were just talking about. I thought that was dope. How she could steal anything. Tom Cruise got that little bit of ability to um, Ethan Hunt. Is his name Ethan Hunt? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ethan Hunt. Um, I like this one. This is one that was really enjoyable. Uh, the train scenes. I was like, oh, my God. This train just kept falling and falling. And they were just getting out of that. I will say that the part where he parachuted into the train, he just happened to come to the right area of that train. I'm like, all right, now. That was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and the fact uh, that it was a black man getting kicked out yeah, the window. I was not too happy about that. Uh, black, yeah. white, purple, yeah. somebody going to get the ass I thought that was a little far-fetched. Very. Um, that was far-fetched. But that scene alone where Simon Pegg is panicking, he's trying to get him to catch up to the train. And I, I just I enjoy myself. I enjoyed myself a little more than I thought I was because I was like the first part with the sub, uh, submarine and stuff. I'm like, uh, what the hell's going on here? I don't even like the way this kind of looks. This looks a little, maybe just I don't like the way it looked at first. For, I don't know was just maybe the theater we were in or what. And it, and it took off and got better as as it went on. Um, I enjoyed everything. I liked the bad guy. I liked the newcomer, the girl. She was kind of getting annoying in a couple scenes. I thought she was getting on my nerves a little bit. She kept trying to get away, but she she you know she had her own reasons too. She was trying to sell it to the old to to the blonde girl that's. Curly blonde hair girl, I can't remember oh, her name. Uh, yeah. White Widow. I White think Widow. her real yeah, name is yeah. uh, Vanessa Kirby. Okay, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yep, yeah, so you are correct. I I I, th- I like the the way all that that played out. I don't really have much gripes about the movie. Um, some of the far fetched scenes, um, you know, like they they got out of a couple things. I'm like, all right, now they when they got out of that, Tom Cruise and getting out of that, or Ethan Hunt. Um, but um, yeah, the face. Um, one question I got: um, the dude who Tom Cruise works for. He's trying to buy this thing for a hundred million. Is he crooked? Yeah, no, is he the head crooked? of IMF. Yeah, is he crooked or is he not? Is he? 
Is he a bad guy? Because Lacey did wake up for that part, and she was just trying to. So you're talking about the guy that he gas bombed? Yeah, yeah. And the gave first him the gas part, mask right, to survive right, that. Right. Um, now wasn't he in the very first Mission yes. Impossible? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, remember he had the gum in the Mission Impossible, uh-huh. one of those iconic scenes where he sticks the gum on the helicopter. Oh no, no, the first, oh no, that was the end. That was uh, the professional. He blew up in the helicopter. Oh, uh, Gene Renault. But in the remember, he throws that the water. Oh, when he tank. throws that the fish tank the and he runs tank. out yeah. the restaurant. Oh, yeah, okay. that's his boss from the start of the Mission Impossible franchise. And even I, I felt that with bringing him back and ending this this movie with the train sequence, they were trying to nod back to the original, which definitely pretty much solidifies it. This and Part Two are going to be the last Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, I hope not. For I a lot of reasons, I, 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 I kind of. But if I, they do see an ending for this one, I think it's best to end while we're still craving more. So I, yeah. I agree, agree. But he, no, he's not a bad guy. Oh, okay, okay. But that doesn't mean you can trust IMF. He doesn't seem very trustworthy. I you shouldn't trust yeah, IMF yeah. at all. Yeah. So um, let's give my quick grade. I'm gonna get to my grade. I enjoyed the movie. I thought everything worked. Uh, the little Asian girl that was driving that black tank. I've seen her before. Who, That's Mantis. From Guardians of the oh, Galaxy. Oh, okay. I was like, where have I seen her before? Mm-hmm. Okay, she she. Ended no, up- I wouldn't have known that unless I researched. Them. Yeah. No, I actually recognize her. I know I recognize her. Like, where do I know her from? That she sure is. Yeah, I didn't even look her up at the movie, but I know I recognize her little ass. I, she, I liked her. Character. I liked her I character really liked too. Her character. Now, I'm disappointed. We only we're apparently only going to see her for. I would have loved to see yeah, her. Yeah, because. She could try to tell him what the hell it was. And I'm like, just, just say it. Stop with all this, you know, just, <gasps> a couple, you, you get a couple words up, but go ahead and say what it is. That way he don't have to worry about it. But I like the, I like the bag. Well, like she the, will be back in the second one. They did give like, they, what, give, the they, Asian, they, they gave out that hand that, you know, she actually is going to survive this one. She's going to make it into part two. Oh, really? Okay. Well, so please. they put that out there. Already. Well, she's going to be part of, uh. IMF, maybe? We'll see. I don't uh, think I'll like that. I like her as a bad guy, but she we'll looked, see. She worked with that little tank ride with her in that little yellow car. That was funny. They were just driving down the stairs. I feel like I've seen that somewhere, though. Maybe Indiana Jones or something. It might have been a Fast and no, Furious I don't know. Movie. I've seen that know. before. But oh, all in all, I, I'll let you guys get more into the nitty-gritty of it. As me just being a casual Mission Impossible fan, I gave this four and a half. Damn. Rounding points for me. That train... Scene that really did me. I was like, "Oh hell! How the hell are they gonna get out of this?" My anxiety went up watching that that part. Um, so uh, I, I didn't like old girl getting killed. I will say that that sucked because uh, I liked her, Rebecca Ferguson. But other than that, I give it four and a half brownie points for me. It did what I expected to do and more. So yeah, I'm, that's my grade for it. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a four. I'll get a four out of five. It was, it was a four out of five for me. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, the biggest knock I can have is. It's not my favorite Mission Impossible movie out the series, but that's not a bad thing either because this is a pretty solid series. And so only- where where does it rank? And I'll I'll let you do that, and I'll probably have Sean go right after that. Where do you rank this in all the Mission Impossible movies? Ooh, and I because I'm guessing my head, Dead Bottom is probably Mission Impossible too. Yes, I've I've griped on that movie quite a bit. So yes, and I would say that's the only negative score I would give. I'll give Mission Impossible two. Two and a half out of five. I, it has its strong points, but that's the only movie in a seven-film franchise that I can't give a positive score to. Um, damn. I know, I know. With just off the top of my head, without doubt, Mission Impossible 4 Ghost Protocol is my favorite. So that's Mission Impossible 4, I believe. Mission Impossible 4 Ghost Protocol. I'll put number, the first one is second. 
I'll put Mission Impossible 6 as my third Fallout with uh, Superman with the mustache. That was my third favorite. Then we'll go Rogue Nation, the fifth one. Mm -hmm. Then we'll go this current one, uh, 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Then we'll go Mission Impossible 3, and we'll go Mission Impossible 2. That, that those would be those would be my rankings, uh, but uh, I, I, the whole series is worth watching. And um, what's the worst of the franchise, which I consider Mission Impossible Two, doesn't compare to the worst of other spy franchises. I still put Mission Impossible Two over um, uh, Moonraker and the James Bond franchise, and uh, the last Matt Damon Jason Bourne movie. I which. Well, was, that, that 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 one was. That I one was, was really shocked good. how much I disliked Jason Bourne. I was so hyped for that. Movie. Like the Bourne Legacy was still better than that. One. It was the one with Jeremy Renner. It was absolutely by uh, uh, huge shot. I will say minor gripes is I had the same feeling I had watching Avengers two with the Age of Ultron, where you introduce an AI entity that can pretty much infiltrate the entire infrastructure and technological mainframe of the entire world and they don't follow through on that now since this is a part one maybe we'll do it more in part two but uh when you introduce that to me in the first scene and you show me a nuclear submarine fire on itself and uh and set it up that well i expect more than just seeing a rogue agent using uh using that AI technology just to get himself out of any situation. I would like to have seen more of them infiltrating the military mainframe worldwide. Cause that is a scary thought when everything is done digitally now and an independent artificial intelligence suddenly has control over your nuclear weapons, your satellites, your drones. I just felt they only kind of, nipped at the uh, tip of the ice iceberg with what that technology can do. And that was my, my main gripe with Avengers 2 Age of Ultron. I don't think they really showed the true power of Ultron. But um, that was one of my minor negatives. I, I will say that this was a great summer movie. And um, I, I I was so glad I saw it in the theater. Um, uh, some of the standouts for me. Um, you mentioned Rebecca Ferguson. I felt that that shootout they had in the desert where she was her little hideout. I thought that was one of the best action scenes I've ever seen in my life. I, they hyped up the, the bike jump off the mountain and the train sequence. But mm-hmm. for me, uh, the, the two best action scenes for me were probably that shootout in the desert. And, uh, we were talking about Mantis from, um, uh, gardens yeah. of the galaxy. There was a little fight scene in a narrow alley. That was one of the more original ways to shoot a fight scene that I've ever seen. I really enjoyed that little two-minute fight scene they had in the alley. I've never seen a fight fight scene shot like that. And I've seen 200 to 300 different action movies. I thought that was pretty fantastic. Um, it is a part one, so my gripes about the AI not being fully utilized uh, might be fulfilled in the sequel. And I am a little disappointed that the Rebecca Ferguson character... I uh, had a very anticlimactic ending, but um, this was a very satisfying, entertaining action movie, and uh, it, it 
I enjoyed my, I enjoyed the hell out of myself. I, uh, I, I another standout part was uh, that during that uh, bike jump on the cliff to, for him landing on the train, uh, there was maybe a little ten second shot where they showed the the sound and the speed of what it would feel like to to base jump from that low mm-hmm. and how how hard that pressure's pressing on the human body. Uh, that was you have to have a good sound system to fully appreciate that scene, and uh, it was it was great. Uh, there's uh, a couple movies that have come out this year. I'm looking at you, Ant Man, and uh, Indiana Jones, where they keep claiming there's 250 million dollar budgets, and I was like, how the hell did y'all spend 250 million dollars on this movie? And all I see is green screen, green scheme, and the effects didn't look that good. This movie, you could. You could tell where that money went. I can understand why this movie was so damn expensive, and it, it felt worth it. It didn't feel like green screen, green screen. It felt like yes, it was. They were shooting on location to give us these amazing visuals, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, main flaw is that there's uh, other movies in the Mission Impossible franchise that are a little bit better than it, but uh, for summer blockbusters go, it was highly enjoyable and and well worth the watch. I. I'll give it. I'll give it a four out of five. It was. It was one of the better movies of the year, and uh, I enjoyed myself. Money well spent. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna start with love. <laughs> That's what I'm talking. I'm start with love. Always, always a plus. Now I can't tell y'all enough how amazed I am that Tom Cruise can still do the things that he can do on a movie screen. The fact that he keeps his body in shape well enough to do a lot of these stunts on his own. It's still impressive as hell. It feel like it's overblown a little bit by how he does the sense, but we have to accept Tom Cruise is just crazy at this point. He does a lot of crazy stunts, and I think that part of him just wants to die a glorious death on a movie set, and that's how it's going to go out. Like, <laughs> either come back with your shield or on it. I believe that he, he lives this to the fullest. He wants to come back on his shield, not even with it anymore. He wants to die on a movie set. I'm convinced of that. So if that's what you want to do, Tom Cruise, by all means, keep doing all these movies, do these crazy stunts. Eventually, you know, you know, death comes for everybody. It might come for you a little bit sooner if you keep trying this crazy ass shit, jumping off cliffs and everything like that. I don't know what he's going to do next. He he might go to space for real just to do a movie stunt, this base jump, like from like the highest altitude <laughs> ever. Crazy. That'll be one of the craziest thing I've ever seen, but I can absolutely see Tom Cruise doing it. Now, the overall plot of the movie, I think it was really, really well done. It was very well done. I never have a real big gripe on the movie plot as far as the writing. I can argue a little bit Mission Impossible 2 was kind of goofy and a lot of that stuff just... <sighs> but if you compare it to other plot lines to other movies, you can understand like it's called Mission Impossible. They have to give you like a, a unattainable goal that he has to get in order for him to complete his mission. It's always something crazy. So I accept that the plot line of these movies are really really goofy and far-fetched but they just have to accept that's just like it is in mission impossible there's always something incredible something far-fetched something that no no other human in the world should be able to do but i accept that i enjoy the technology that they use in this and i feel like it really pushes like the imagination forward as far as what we're supposed to be aspiring to as far as like keeping up with a lot of movies and the concepts that they come with as far as like technology and where they can go with it Mission Impossible, I feel like they always push that forward, and I love what he does with that. The AI system, it was a little bit underwhelming, like Ryan said. I feel like they gave you like a glimpse of what they could be able to do, 
as far as like disrupting like governments and military stuff like that. And I feel like they just did like a little bit of it, but they pulled all the way back. I feel like they didn't show us well enough. Like what I'm glad I'm not the only one. What this system was capable of doing ever since like that first scene where they pretty much fooled the submarine on like him firing on itself. I feel like, Ooh, damn, that is scary. Very. But you can't even trust like the technology that you built for yourself to actually work correctly. So them doing that and then pulling back, I feel like they could have done a lot more. A lot more. With the entity, that, as they describe, as far as what it's capable of doing. And, that, and they pretty much just talked about what it could mm-hmm. do, but not sh- didn't show it. They didn't show anything other than that submarine and them and the one bad guy hiding, like, with the entity, like, blocking him from, like, uh, camera images and yes, not being yeah. able to be seen. If that's all you're going to show, like, all right, I get it. The first scene was definitely showing how capable it is. But after that, I feel like, like you said, they just didn't show me enough to make me more afraid of this as opposed to just be afraid of the bad guy being like the main like uh, antagonist. And I feel like the entity should have been the main antagonist. Am I wrong in thinking that it shouldn't have been more focused on, it should have been more focused on the, the entity as opposed to that, uh, the one bad guy. If this, was, if they didn't come outright and just say, um, this is part one then I probably would have been a little bit more negative because there's a chance they might show that more in part mm-hmm. two. But they pretty much made this Mexican guy the face of the entity. Yeah. And I felt it would have been way more exciting of having the face and showing what the entity can do as an AI technology. Because it, it's protecting him. It like pretty much erased his whole identity, right? Like yes. He has no yeah. way of tracing him. They were like, we can't even trace him. You keep Vic Rams like I can't do nothing with him. I can't even get him. You and, know, so. and I and honestly, that's one of the more original plot lines ever, actually. Actually showing and that's a guilty pleasure of mine. This that's another reason why I like that Mantis character. I've always been a sucker for the henchman character. It's one thing to have a good bad guy. You're a sucker for toxic women. <laughs> <laughs> but if you got a good henchman, especially if it's a toxic female, oh I I I'm a big fan of that. And uh these are Two of the more badass henchmen I've seen, uh, which is part of my enjoyment. I just wish they would have shown more of the main villain. If they if they nailed the henchmen, but if they would have shown more of the villain, this would have been uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. We'll see what happens in part two, though. I know, and I think this is part of a gripe that I think I heard from you. What she did, as far as like a henchman, like as far as being more memorable. And more impressionable, I think what she did right is what Dave Batista did wrong in uh, the the James Bond uh, Spectre movie, where they're in Mexico City. Remember, he was the bad guy in that one yeah. that had like the silver fingers, or whatever, and he said nothing until he died at the end, where he just said shit, and then he got you know <laughs> he got yanked off a train. Yeah, yeah I the, think the worst of the of the Craig Bond movies. I hated that. Movie. She did she did her henchman right as opposed to what Dave Batista did wrong. I don't know what it was, but he just wasn't memorable as a henchman. Agreed. Right, that, that was it all around. Besides that opening pan shot in Mexico City during the Day of the Dead, that movie was straight garbage. Sure. But uh, I, I'm with you on that. Way better henchman in this. Way better. Now, the one thing that I hated the most out of this, out of the side of them not going too deep on the entity is that they went back to what I think was the biggest flaw in Mission Impossible 2, and that is the damsel in distress. Damn, who was the damsel in distress character? The, 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 the thief. 
She was constantly the damsel in distress. Every time he tried to get her out of a situation, she put him right back into the situation. Yeah, and he, he, had, he had to keep saving her I see the entire fucking movie. And it simply pissed me off so bad that it dropped my score for this movie. It, it did, for, especially if um, in sacrifice of Rebecca Ferguson's character. She was. They tried to make this thief, her um, Agent Carter, the replacement for her. And I think that was the the biggest mistake that they ever made. Big, in this uh, big time. Agreed. She is easily the worst female character in this franchise. No, that, no. Worse she, than Thandie Newton. Worse than Thandie Newton. Ooh. I hated her so fucking bad. She almost ruined the movie for me by how she kept pissing me off by her interactions with uh, Tom Cruise in this movie. And I'm. I, I see. I see your and, point. And, I see your point. At some at some angle, I understand what she was doing. She had to keep stealing the key because she was supposed to work for the White Widow to get the key. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, just without that context, just leading up to that, she was easily annoying the shit out of me in this movie by how she constantly kept fucking up and putting him in situation after situation where he kept risking his life to save her. I think that's also like maybe his greatest flaw is that he's always going to pit his team. Before the mission, he's always going to try to save life as opposed to completing the mission. He says that he's like, I'm, I'm going to put you guys before me. So he's not like, even just him, yeah. just the mission altogether. Because yeah. remember in the last one where he lost the plutonium because he tried to save Ving Rhames. Yeah, yeah. And then he damn there almost ruined it again in a uh, Rogue Nation where he saved uh, Simon Pegg. For, yeah, you're he, right. He's Good point. All, he's always doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. That's my problem with Ethan Hunt. You're supposed to complete the mission. It's called Mission Impossible. It ain't called Save Your Buddies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you piss me off. Like, dude, at some point, you are going to have to sacrifice somebody in order to complete this mission. And he always says that he's always going to pick his friends over yeah, the mission. You do say that. Yeah. That makes him a very flawed agent if we're going to be really, really honest with him. Well, keep in mind, he's, all, he's yeah, almost like, always went rogue in almost yeah. every single movie. The first movie, the entire first half hour, deals with his entire team getting killed off. He's uh, he's on a mission. His entire team gets killed off, and he's been on the run pretty much ever since. And he just kind of, yeah. Remember in Mission Impossible Two, they introduced Anthony Hopkins as an IMF um, superior. They never brought him back after that. Yeah, they can't. He can't keep a boss. I swear, <laughs> he can't keep a boss. He cannot keep a boss he for shit. He keeps getting missions from different people all the time. Lawrence Fishburne was in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, then of course Alec Baldwin. Was in yeah, there at yeah, some point. They don't come back. Like, man, like, that that that, that job right there, it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. That's like being a Detroit Piston coach. Right like, no stability right there whatsoever. <laughs> it was just, it's just weird. I like how they kind of have, like, a, a recurring, like, a boss that keeps going through there. But for me, if they had a little bit more stability, I feel like that would be an also a big plus right there. I like a little bit more stability in these franchises. I like that they kept Ving Rhames in pretty much every single movie. Agreed. Since the first one, so that's always good. They, and he they, was not in this movie very much at all. That was a yeah. Because at the end of the movie, he said he had to go off. He had to go analog, so they can't find me, so yeah. I can try to figure out how to beat this thing. I was like, all right, fine. That that explains a little bit. But if they would have kept Rebecca Ferguson in this, as opposed to trying to replace her with Haley Atwell, that would have made it a better movie for me. Agreed. Because one, like I said, her death scene felt meaningless as opposed to what they built up in the last two films. He was pretty much, pretty much building her up to be like the love interest for Ethan Hunt. Yeah, more so than um, 
the, the other girl he was uh, Michelle, whatever her name, Mahana Hyden or whatever. Or, yeah, you yeah. Like. <laughs> if they would have kept with that, I thought that would have been a beautiful storyline as far as him finally having an out and having like that love interest that he can like, you know, like roll off into the sunset with. Agreed. Because, yeah. like I said, she wasn't at all the damsel in distress that they made Haley Atwell to be. They made her like his his uh total opposite but counterpart as far as like being a female character that can hold her own that aspect of her character is what i loved about her in the first place she did not need him to come save her she can save her damn self mm-hmm. Haley atwell she always needed him to come save yeah. her uh, Rebecca I, character saved ethan hunt multiple I hate, times i hate that cliche of like constantly you know that cliche that they always put in movies where like the woman can't run without mm-hmm. the man holding her hand that's what she it. felt like in this movie. She they went right back, like going back to the eighties, like oh, oh, to him, and they were running. Like the they can't, yeah. they can't be uh, anywhere without the woman being her her handheld or something like that. I hate that. Rebecca Ferguson. I thought it was it was progressive as far as like women empowerment. That was the one women empowerment like uh, character in a movie that I absolutely loved. Not like the Wonder Woman or the you know Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel, all that female empowerment. This is what I envision as true female empowerment: a woman that can stand on her own, not a superhero, but a normal human being, like with a high skill set that doesn't need a man to come save her. That's what I loved about her character, and I'm so pissed that they wrote her off this way. I really hope that she comes back, but that single handedly kind of ruined the movie for me. Her death scene. And like I said, he got over it so damn fast. Once again, he's right back to the mission. For somebody who's willing to risk the mission to save uh, his people, he sure got over her death pretty damn quick. Because he was feeling old girl. He was feeling. The, but that was yeah. earned for me. He, was, he yeah, just met that, her in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Like him yeah. falling in love with her so soon, it oh, felt yeah. so wrong. Yeah. And Rebecca Ferguson yeah. saved his ass so many times right. in the previous two movies. Because he was like, you touch either one of them. You know what I mean? I'm like, God damn, you feel pretty strong about it. I mean, she's fine. Yeah, Ethan Hunt would be yeah. dead if it wasn't for Like, she almost got you killed, dog. Yeah. She left you on a train track to get killed. Yeah, she and you're trying to save her constantly like she's a love of your I life. hear you. Yeah, I, that, was, that, was, that was a great for me. Ryan, that, she was like almost every ex-girlfriend you ever had. <laughs> <laughs> she will get you killed doing some bullshit. Oh, yeah. Ruin yeah, his, I'll, I'll his car because she can't fucking my... drive. Does that sound familiar, Ryan? I almost got killed after last week's podcast trying to get up. Here trying to get pinochle time. Oh, saw so some teenager running around with a machine gun on my first date. What the fuck? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. My girl told me it's not real, but I have my knife in my pocket. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> we gotta circle back to that. And I'm sorry, yeah. brother and sister, if you hear this podcast. I'm sorry for putting myself in this situation. I'm Damn sorry. it, man. Now, Damn as far you Facebook as, dating, far as a grade for this one, I have to say it's probably like a three point five out of five. Yeah. Now okay. this one is probably like the third. No, I'll say this one is the second worst Mission Impossible movie. Slightly it's above. Slightly above Mission Impossible 2. Okay, we're in agreement there. Because the okay. other ones were so damn good, they easily top like everything else for me. Road Nation or Ghost Protocol still fights for like number one, number two. They kind of dwindle back and forth on this one. This one is still pretty solid, but I think they moved backwards as far as like the progression of the storyline for the female character. I thought they had something very special with the B- Rebecca Ferguson, they and they did. completely ruined it with her death and replacing her, so to speak, quote unquote, with Haley Atwell, the thief, whatever. Which I feel like they did already with uh, Thady Newton. I feel like they didn't have to go back to that fucking well and go to the the whole damsel in distress uh, thief that's not really part of the whole uh, crew or whatever. I feel like it's been done before. Like we got that already, and we hated that damn movie. Why are you trying to do it again? 
Like, what are you, what are you, Puff Daddy? You trying to do a remix? It didn't work. (laughs) Like, let it go. We didn't want that. We didn't like that. And the fans spoke about that. He did it again anyway. I don't know if it was his arrogance that he was going to try to make Haley Atwell be like this new, like, big Hollywood star, which I don't think she is. She's a good actress, but I don't think she's that. I thought Rebecca Ferguson was going to be that. In case, y'all, in case y'all haven't t- told by my tone, I'm really upset that they killed Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. I, I, I am so pissed. I knew, one of, I knew one was going to go, and I knew it wasn't going to be the new girl. So I had a feeling one of them was going to go. So he already said he was going to kill. He's going to get a hold of one of them. I thought he was going to get an old girl out of it. But once I saw him running, and they was like, yeah, you went the wrong way. I was like, oh, she's dead. I said it to myself. Oh, yep, she's gone. She's gone. Rebecca Ferguson's dead. So <laughs> the, the plot line and, and the set pieces – Elevated it to a four out of five for me, but um, I, I do gotta agree with Tommy how they handled Rebecca Ferguson's in this character. In this, it would have been bad enough for her to have that anticlimactic death as it was, but then the fact that they tried to shove Haley Atwell's character down our throat as her re- possible equal replacement that was not earned and it felt forced, and it almost feels like there was maybe a contract issue. Where they said, okay, we're not going to pay as much as she wants. So we're going to just write you out the movie. But either that or that, Haley Atwell really is dating Tom Cruise. I, apparently, yeah, she must. Like the same way, uh, was it, uh, is it James Gunn that keeps putting that old girl in uh, DC movies? Oh, yeah, the blonde. Yeah. The yeah. blonde, yeah. beautiful yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Man, um, you should be in all these damn movies. No offense. Beautiful, but your character doesn't really mean anything other than that needless character to constantly remind us that you're linked to a universe that's bigger. It, it happens. Years. It happens. Yeah. Tim Burton puts put his ex-wife in a lot of those movies as well. Sure. But uh, just Haley Atwell, uh, it, it, that aspect right there, it just didn't work for me. I feel I, like they didn't build her up big enough to make her the new like lead female character. It didn't. And I promise you, what's the movie we were talking about earlier, Sean? The sequel to The Shining? They had Rebecca oh, Frost, Dr. Sleep. Sleep. Dr. Yeah. Sleep. Yeah. Uh, I think Tommy's grade will go down even further for this movie when she sees Rebecca Ferguson in Dr. Sleep. And if, if you appreciate her in Mission Impossible franchise, wait till you see her character in Dr. Sleep. You are going to be extra mad. Uh, I, I, was, I believe you. I, I, did, I, I promise you. Look, and just so you know, I'm not lying. I scratched this out. From, I was going to put Rebecca Ferguson for my staying ovation. Okay. We're on the same page. Because I, 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 I really wanted to pinpoint how disappointed I was, how they did her character in this movie, and how spectacular she's been to this franchise and what her future in Hollywood is. So I'm glad you pointed her out. So, yeah, we're in agreement there. Um, like I said, that that desert scene with Rebecca Ferguson where she was sniping people, and then when they actually got in that little house and they had that little shootout, that was sometimes the best action scene comes in the beginning of the movie. I felt that happened here in Mission Impossible. I love that desert shootout scene, and that car chase was freaking awesome as well. And yeah. uh, I really enjoyed seeing um, the Asian character that plays Mantis in Guardian Galaxy uh, laughing as she ran through cars in that in that big ass Humvee she was driving with a smile on her face, running over stuff. That, that was a great chasing. The set pieces were great, but Rebecca Ferguson's character, them not following through on the power of that AI technology, uh, did bring the score down a little bit for me. But I thought this was quality summer entertainment uh, still. Oh, yeah. Uh, was there anything else we got to get our gripes out about about Mission Impossible? 
Like it seems like it did pretty well as far as the box office. I think it opened up to what they say it was like around seventy. Over five days, yeah. So it did like fifty five between Friday and uh and Sunday, but uh made around an additional twenty five to thirty million in those pre shows they had um Monday through Thursday. They only had like one or two shows a day. So it was good. I it, it uh some some of the and even myself I would say a slight opening weekend disappointment, but that's only just because of how big uh, Top Gun Maverick was uh, a year ago. I thought that wave would have kind of uh, pushed the excitement up. But, um, yeah, these movies have never been on that huge uh, Marvel Top Gun level of box office. They've always made money. But, uh, yeah, the highest grossing movie in the franchise before this came out was... Mission Impossible Fallout, and that movie only made $220 million at the domestic box office. Uh, if, if you look at all these big Marvel releases, um, some you expect that those to, that gross in two weeks. Um, these movies have always done really good in the United States and then very good in, in uh, overseas. So it's right on par with the other one. This one's still going to probably make $600 million worldwide, which... Uh, just with our inflated sense of ex- what success is now, um, some might look at that as disappointment. But yeah, this movie's gonna this movie's gonna make its money back. I think that's why that I think that's partly why Tom Cruise was, lo- was pissed about losing his IMAX theaters to Oppenheimer next week because I think that's what helped carry Top Gun Maverick is that people wanted to see that not just in theaters but in IMAX. Certain movies you have to experience the IMAX uh, experience for. Particularly Top Gun Maverick. If I didn't watch that in IMAX, I would never double back and watch it in IMAX again. Watching that in IMAX was an experience. It's like watching a really good 3D movie. It, and I promise it elevated this. I love. I that's another reason. Like I said, there's even if I wanted to go to sleep, I couldn't because it was so damn loud. I, I really thought I lost some hearing watching this this Mission Impossible Seven in IMAX. Mm-hmm. I remember you sent that in a group chat. I was like, damn, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ryan must have sensitive ass ears. <laughs> you don't hear me complain about that too often, but this was a movie that was considerably louder than most. It, even when he was free falling off that cliff, that was one of the loudest scenes I've ever experienced in a movie theater. They had that volume turned up to the max. Um, and it, it was great. And I do think uh, just because of the success of Top Gun Maverick, I think there was an inflated sense of how successful this movie was going to be. But uh, this is going to fall in line with the previous Mission Impossible movies. It's it's going to be a, a successful blockbuster. It's just not going to be one of the highest grossing movies of all time. And, uh, yeah, Top Gun Maverick was Tom Cruise's highest grossing movie of all time. So to hold that as a standard is unrealistic. And uh, just following uh, my my life... This is a movie that appeals to uh, older moviegoers. Uh, me working in the hearing aid industry for the past nine years, um, I've talked to people in their 70s or 80s uh, who went and saw that last Mission Impossible movie. I remember one client that came in and saw me, uh, she, she wanted her hearing aid worked on because she went and saw that last Mission Impossible, uh, and she said she couldn't hear the dialogue. And uh, she, wanted, she thought she needed a sound this is one of the finest 60-year-old females of all time, mind you. <laughs> I was really happy she came in. But I digress. Um, <laughs> the older audiences don't rush out 
opening weekend like we do. It's not, oh, I got to see opening week. I got to see opening week. Those crowds discourage older moviegoers. So I do think Mission Impossible has that in its favor. And I, I, I don't be surprised if you see a small drop in box office next week because there are a lot of people that want to see this movie. They just don't want to deal with the opening weekend crowds. Uh, just like uh, my my sister, who's in her 50s now. She, she still likes movies. She doesn't like most of the blockbuster Hollywood stuff. But if there's a movie she wants to see, she'll see it second or third week just because she doesn't want to deal with that opening weekend crowd. She she has that patience where she can wait. And uh, it, I'm just happy that crowd is being serviced. I feel that people who will um, go see this, who kind of feel that they don't, the older crowds, they don't make movies like they used to. Everything's all CGI. They, they're they not relying on good story, good dialogue, good acting. People, I think this this is this movie's going to serve that crowd well, and I think they'll be sat more satisfied watching this in the theater than they will of the latest Indiana Jones movie, which also appeals to that older crowd. So I I am thankful that this movie exists not only for for my enjoyment but for people in their fifties or sixties who are tired of the blockbuster superhero franchises and they just want more good storylines, good acting. I think I think this movie will play to them quite well, actually. I, I hope so. Like the elderly, they need a movie to watch. I'm, I'm sure they'll probably go out and watch Oppenheimer. Either that, or I can't imagine somebody like older than me wanting to go out and watch the Barbie movie. That's just agreed. Me. I have no desire to watch it. I'm betting one of y'all is probably going to get dragged and watch it. So maybe as Sean, maybe <laughs> Lacey. Lacey's might. probably like, "Ooh, Barbie movie coming!" Like, no, oh, she shit. just she don't she don't want to watch that. But I kind of want to watch it for some reason. I just want to see. I bet it's different than what we think. So. I I have no desire at all. I'll watch it eventually. Yeah, but believe me, um, this is not on my butt. I will be okay if I don't see this in the theater. I will literally have to be. I would have to be, literally have somebody write down on paper. Pinochle time if you take me to see this <laughs> sign here. Then, yeah, I'll, I'll go see it. Hold yeah. it to him, man. Yeah. <laughs> but unless that happens, which I guarantee 99.9% that won't happen, <laughs> I will be seeing this on bootleg or streaming. All right. But yeah. I hope it's good. I like Margaret Robbie, and uh, I hope it's good. Yeah, any headlines we got to get to other than Sophia Vergara being a single woman out in these streets pretty soon? That is a big headline. I saw um, the Jets are hard knocks. But they told Hard Knocks they only gonna give them limited access. Really? Yeah, and they were disgracing. Like, who the hell are the Jets? I'm sick of Aaron Rodgers right, with all this right. damn power. This dude, this Aaron Rodgers does whatever the fuck he wants. Right. This the first time. First of all, the Jets should be happy. All of a sudden, they got Aaron Rodgers. They think they're the best team in the NFL, and they're telling like nobody's like HBO had. They were talking about it today. They're like HBO has to fight. To get this, you know, stuff with the NFL, you know, what I mean, like all everybody looks forward to the hard knocks, and they're talking about, oh, well, you can come do it, but you're not going to get to go into the meeting rooms with us like like they've been doing and all that stuff. And they're like, come on, man, like if you're going to do it, just let them get full access like they've been doing. They've been doing this for since we were in high school, right? I mean, like 2000, like the Ravens with Shannon Sharp was on the team. Was oh like yeah, I one. remember. Um Remember Rex Ryan used to be the head coach yeah, of the Jets? Uh, Jets yeah, 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 they did it one of season. He was on the Jets, right? Yeah, but yeah, since then it haven't been good. But they 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 they're telling them like they don't have full access to their to the you know all the stuff they got going on. 
thought that was kind I've of never lame. seen a, a player with more power than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers talking about he don't want them and he didn't want them in the first that place. That is yeah. crazy. Yeah, so they were telling players they had to had to get uh COVID shots. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers got around that. Stu <laughs> does, does whatever the hell he wants. Right, right. He see he got the coach on his I never seen nobody like him before. Yeah, I ain't never seen nobody throw a ball like him. Like, yeah, damn it, Aaron Rodgers probably does whatever he wants. He he not does practicing. He, he yeah. absolutely. And I I've I don't think in our lifetime I've seen uh, a quarterback of his caliber that has been underserved by his coaching staff because they pretty much just rode the back of Aaron Rodgers for damn near a decade and a half. Uh-huh. Uh, they they would give a, a good run. They always give him a good running back. And luckily, Devontae Adams turned out to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. But consistently, his defenses were shit. And they never even drafted a a wide receiver in the first round his entire time at Green Bay. So he is absolutely one of the best players in NFL history. And he has elevated Green Bay. But he knows it, too, though. That's the problem. He does. He gets away with exploits it. Yeah, that's... I'm starting to I'm starting to not like Aaron Rodgers because he exploits that real right. bad. Yeah, they don't want they just want give them limited access. Man, get out of here. We're gonna watch it, here. but it, you know, I wonder if it's gonna make a huge difference. But yeah, and that's one of the more uh, dramatic parts of uh, the show, right? Getting to see who gets cut. Exactly. And all that. Yeah, I like this, great man. Is that what people watch it for? You think just watch people get cut? No, 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 no but no. just to see the background of everything and what how the business of it and. And you do get to like these guys, and they pinpoint people who are on the fence and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like the yeah. ending of a good movie you're yeah, watching. Yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, man, and who's going to make it? You know, exactly. You, you start rooting for the underdog guys. Even if you don't like the, the Lions or the Jets, whoever these teams they are doing, you don't need to like them to like Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks is just showing what behind the scenes are what the NFL really, might be really like, you know, and that gets to show you that the, behind the scenes. So, yeah, you don't have to be a fan of these teams. But like you said, it's – you get to watch these guys be fans of these newcomers, these rookies and shit, and see who's going to make the team. You start rooting for them. And exactly. Then, yeah, so. And I've never under uh, – all right, this is me being a hater for the most part. I've never understood why people are so high on Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. I think he's good. I don't think he's that damn good. I I, I say he is, and I will say that – got the same amount of Super Bowls as Trent Dilfer. What does that say? <laughs> he got true. one, yeah, he does. True, he, he, true but I will say that just uh, – I remember watching that game live when he got his first start, and it was—you could tell right away that he was the real deal. I was shocked at how good Aaron Rodgers actually was, and he has done some of the most amazing things. It, it some of it just kind of gets deteriorated because uh, Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl that first. He won the Super Bowl the first year he was with Tampa Bay, but. Aaron Rodgers won MVP that year, and he had one of the most spectacular seasons of all time. But Tom Brady went into Green Bay and beat that Packers team in Green Bay to go to the Super Bowl that year. That 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 mm-hmm. year, uh, Tampa Bay won the Super Year Super Bowl with Tom Brady because yeah, Aaron Rodgers didn't run. He was supposed to run on that play, or he could have ran and he threw the pass. Anyway. Should, I didn't yeah. even think it would be that close of a game. No, no. The way that offense was dominating that season, I thought for sure Green Bay was going to blast Tampa Bay that year. But I remember Tom Brady threw like a touchdown pass right before halftime and gave him the lead. Like, oh, shit, they might be in trouble. But uh, I didn't think Green Bay didn't be in contention that year. He, the, I don't, even if he only won one Super Bowl, he didn't have no 15-year playoff drought the way Buffalo did. 
They were always True. in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they all they pretty much dominated that division the whole time he was there. Um I, I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan, talent wise. I I I do think he's uh if we he's top ten quarterback of all time that I've seen. If there's a yeah. top ten list, he's in that top ten. Okay. Just his mental part of it or his how he he's He's like a Jay Cutler as far as he don't give a damn about any damn thing. But he, he has all the talent in the world, you know what I mean? Like, Jay Cutler didn't give a damn. But, but he Aaron, did, he gets, Aaron, his Aaron, teammates love him, though. Yeah, Aaron yeah Rod- but yeah. Aaron Rodgers comes off as an asshole. He does though. seem like he just does not. He does, it. yeah. He like he don't care about nobody once he leave that damn place. <laughs> He's like, hey, man, you coming out for beer? It's like, fuck y'all, man. I'm hell, going home. Yeah. I think a lot of he – he hates that Green Bay management. He, he hates the owner. He hates the GM. Maybe but this, he's loyal to the fan base. Right. And this is why he gets to go to New York because maybe he's more meant for a bigger market. Green Bay's smaller than Fort Wayne. Aaron Rodgers got a Hollywood look to him. You know what I mean? Big style, big time this quarterback. Cut, just because he showed up to training camp looking like Nicholas Cage, Cage and Conair, <laughs> don't mean he's going to be Hollywood. That was, yeah, so, yeah, that that was, was real funny. He looked just like him. One of the funniest pictures of all he's time. He's a California boy. He don't want to be in Green Bay. You know what I mean? Like it's snowing in the summertime. You know what I mean? Like so. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. But that's one thing I saw. All right, anything else, Ryan, that I missed? You got any updates on the strike? Uh, we touched on it. Um, I, I don't think it's going anywhere, so we'll save that for later episodes. We can touch on that in later episodes. Uh, did y'all see the new creator trailer with uh, Denzel Washington's son? I, I have that was not seen cool. the new trailer, but that does look like a movie I'm intrigued to see. Mm-hmm. I thought that looked pretty cool. They're making a Gargoyles movie. I don't know what that's like a live action. What yeah. the I, hell? I, really? I, I heard that they apparently attached Kenneth Branagh as the director, and I've I've enjoyed this detective. Was he the series. bad guy from uh, damn that that dumbass Christopher Nolan uh, Tenet? No, not him. Wait, was that Kenneth Branagh? Uh, remember Tenet? He was like the one was bad that, guy that I, wanted. I know. Was that Kenneth Branagh though? I think he played like that one detective. Yeah, where they were on a train uh, on, on the boat in that one, and then they uh, okay. So that was him. That is what I'm thinking about. Was Kenneth Branagh the tenant bad guy? I think I'm, he I'm, looks just like him. I think you might be right. Well, they bring in Keith David back as one of the main guys. Keith is the voice of one of the main gargoyles. On. Yeah, on that cartoon show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Wi-Fi don't fail me now. <laughs> Yeah, that absolutely is okay. him. He was okay. a bad guy from Tenet. Yep, that's him. Good deal. Well, good for him. All right, I like him as an actor. I'm not. I'm not too optimistic about the gargoyles. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I think he'll he'll only be behind the scenes. And he did actually direct the first Thor movie. And I think it was Murder on the Orient Express. There we go. I can't think of the. Yes. I believe he. I'm pretty sure he directed that one. And what was the one with a uh, uh, Gilded Adult? Death on the Nile. Yeah, he did. He that, was a, both that was the sequel because in the first one they had uh they were all going after uh Johnny Depp yes. on that train, and then the second one they was all going after a uh, Gil Adult. Correct. I'm on. Okay, so yeah, not, not bad as a director. So I'll, I'll give him that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, what a wonderful mustache he had on that damn movie. Jesus Christ. Oh, now, as far as the writer strike, I'm just pissed that it's delaying a lot of. Other projects. I heard it's laying Deadpool 3. That's the easy way to piss me off. We finally get a damn movie with Wolverine and Deadpool in it. Not like that Wolverine bullshit, you know, Origins movie. Because that was a horrible version of Deadpool. We do not count that one. Finally getting this one, and now the writer's strike is affecting this one and its release date. Just when they gave us an update like a month ago that it's going to come out six months earlier than expected. Well, you saw what happened. It was the actor guild 
going on strike, which caused that delay. Because when the writer strike first happened, they actually came out and said, we're going to move this movie up. Uh, just because uh, most apparently, uh, who knows what's going on behind the scenes. But I would imagine with that much comedy that happens in the Deadpool, I would imagine a lot of that's improv on set. They don't actually need a script per se as most uh, other genre of movies action. But with Deadpool 3 and Ryan Reynolds being the spearhead of that, I'm sure they could find a way to get that done. But it was the actor strike which caused that to go on delay, meaning the extras they need on the set who aren't just the lead actors. The lead actors, they're going to get their money. But everybody in those supporting roles, when they found out they're not going to get the money that they thought they were going to get, and um, got to remember, a lot of these people we see in these leading roles started off at the bottom of the barrel. True. Very and true. so they, un- they, they feel the plight of these up-and-coming actors who are trying to make it to that C, B, and A list of actor, and uh, them not even being able to survive off those wages being D-list actors getting supporting roles. So they're kind of standing in solidarity with them. And I, I kind of applaud that. I kind of applaud that. You saw the cast of Oppenheimer. They walked out of the world premiere before the movie started. So it's, it's building steam. And uh, I, my honest to God feeling i do think the actors and the writers will prevail in the end but i do think it's going to get drug out longer than any of us want and i i think for people like uh, my brother and my sister-in-law who watch a lot more television than i do they're going to start feeling that when their their favorite shows aren't going to premiere when they thought they were going to be that's going to that is really going to suck yes because i know it's going to delay a lot of other stuff like um was the one show Elementary Abbott Elementary mm-hmm. that I watch? Mm-hmm. I, I know that one got hit with the writer's strike. I think pretty late in their season, but I think they kind of they kind of sputtered along and they finished it. But stuff like that when it delays movies that I watch in real time, like week to week, that's when it's going to start to really hit me really hard. Agreed. Same here. Like all the other shows, I I can't I don't care about Yellowstone at this point because it's been delayed because. Kevin Costner and his fucking shenanigans or whatever else he got on his personal life now. He's just making it harder and harder for Yellowstone to come back on the air, even though it's halfway done with season five, which is still really weird that it just stopped halfway through a season. They still haven't finished filming. Still never heard of that before, but you know, I digress. The writer's strike. I'm with the the writers. You guys definitely deserve a lot more of the pot than they've been giving you because these shows thrive off your excellent writing. And it does show whenever they last time they went on that writer's track and they got like the backup writers, I noticed right away the fall off as far as the quality of the writing. And it really does show a quality writers. It's not something you can find on the street. You need to pay these people what they deserve, get them what they're asking for, and they'll give you a good product. The actors is one thing, but the writing is what carries it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I stand with you guys. I support you guys. But at the same time, man, hurry, give me my shit back. <laughs> I, I, I want my TV shows and I, I want Deadpool 3 to come out on time because I can't stomach another DC product coming out anytime before that at that point. You're not going to see. Um, well, I'll go see Blue, Blue Beetle. Don't I like, waste I, your money on that. I man. am. I'm going to watch it. And I'm going to watch it by myself. Nobody else around me. I'm going to be ashamed. Like I'm going to be in like a trench coat and a hat. So nobody can see me when I'm in there. It's like, like Tommy, that you? No, that ain't me. My name Ryan Winters. You tell him you saw Ryan Winters at Blue Beetle. He's got a little tan. 
<laughs> I'm like, no, I can't. Because if I come back and I say this movie is trash, I ain't going to let y'all know I saw it. But if it's good, I'm going to say, hey, it was pretty damn good. Because it's, I, I think I it's that right. one and it's the, what's the other one? The What's the last one? The Aquaman? Is that coming out this year? It's supposed to be? Come out in November or December? Aquaman? Is it is it weird that they have not put out one damn trailer for I that movie and it anything. comes out in like four or five months? I'm surprised. They put out the yeah. Flash trailer like a year ahead. I, I, I think that's intentional. Just because they saw how it, that was even a big news story before the summer movie season started. June was a very crowded year. Uh, believe it or not. Uh, you mean crowded month. Crowded, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Crowded month. June was a very crowded month. And uh, I think after Oppenheimer and this Barbie movie come out, I really feel that you won't be able to turn on a TV without seeing Meg 2 previews. Meg 2 comes out in a couple weeks. So does that new Ninja Turtles movie. I, I, they're going to ramp up the marketing. They, going into the summer, people were terrified of how much money Indiana Jones could possibly make, how much Mission Impossible could possibly make, as well as The Flash. So I think it has been intentional that uh, they've kind of held back on the marketing for some of these other expensive movies. They just wanted to wait for these other blockbusters to come out and kind of leave the public consciousness, and then they'll start shoveling it down our throats again. But it's coming. Believe me, Aquaman 1 made a billion dollars. So, yeah, that marketing rampage is on its way. It's coming. It It's not here yet, but... You yeah, think, they, you think they're doing reshoots? That's why they haven't put out a trailer yet? It's Possibly. A, it's the only reasonable explanation I can come up with in my mind is why they haven't put out a trailer for this yet. There should be a little bit more excitement for this. And I think they either stopped it because the Flash did so badly, or maybe they just don't believe that Aquaman 2 is going to be that good. And my, my, possibly. And with the Flash, and I think I had the least amount of hope from the Flash out of all of us three. I. I, I Go back, listen to the podcast. I I was I thought the marketing was good, but I did not think it was going to be a good movie just because of the DCEU track record. It might be the same with um, Aquaman, especially while this, this movie was being made as there was a huge power shift within the company. That does not fare well because a lot of the people making this new Aquaman movie probably realize there's not going to be an Aquaman 3 while they were making this movie. They pretty much said, okay, James Gunn and the guy behind the Conjuring movies, they're in charge of the DCU now. No more Gal Gadot, no more Jason Momoa, no more Ben Affleck. We're moving forward after this. So, yeah, I'm sure that did affect production quite a bit. And I, I do think it will affect the quality. And I don't think it's going to be as good as the first one, and I do think it's probably not going to be that good. But uh, just to save face, they're just waiting for all these other big projects to get their marketing out the way, and then they're going to ramp it up. But I, I'm always rooting for any movie to be good, so I, I hope I'm wrong, and Aquaman 2 is a good movie. Okay. I'm just going to going to hold out hope. I just thought that was really weird that they haven't put out a trailer for that one yet because usually they put out a trailer pretty early. It's, well, at least as soon as they can to get the excitement going. Especially for the, with the previous movie made a billion dollars worldwide, you would think. Yeah, get get a trailer out a, a year in advance. Or maybe they're just scared to put it out and get it, people excited for it because the last few DC movies that came out haven't been that good. Like, <laughs> The Flash wasn't that good. 
Will's Will's other one? Uh, Shazam. Shazam wasn't that good. Black Adam was just all right. It's almost like, hey, y'all, like, y'all sure we gotta put out this movie? Can we just Batgirl this shit and just wrap it up and call it call it done? They probably like, you know what? Let's just write this one up. And he's like, no, we got too much money in this shit at this point. We gotta put this shit out. He's like, damn, for real? He's like, yeah, we gotta put it. Out. <laughs> Did y'all see what was the number two at the box office um, this week? It was that Sound of Freedom. Yes, insane. Really? A movie that I heard nothing about. This is one of the few movies that I can remember in my lifetime that uh, grossed more on its second week than it did its first week. Uh, so this movie uh, debuted with a surprising $20 million in its first week and then did great throughout the week and then made more money in second week than it did its first week. Even with the biggest blockbusters, that's unheard of for you to make more money your second week than you do your, your first week. And it's had a pretty unique marketing. This is one of those what they call quote unquote faith based movies where they kind of build their buzz through the church going community as opposed to a very expensive corporate marketing where they're showing your commercials during sports center uh, or, or the or the nightly news station. So they did most of their marketing online. And through, I was going to say the last faith based movie that I remember becoming popular that it came across like my timeline and made it an appearance like in my life was like I think it was God's Not Dead. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember. I, I, I don't know why, it. but I remember the marketing for that one. I remember it came and if it makes it to me, that means like damn, they really pushing the market on this one. God, yeah, I remember. I remember preaching that absolutely because there's no reason, no reason why I should ever see marketing for something like this. I do not like faith based movies. Nothing, it, nothing against it. It's just like I just don't watch that. My wife is into that. Me, I'm just I'm I don't watch that well, at all. That's one of those movies where it's obvious there's an agenda for it. And I got family members who are devoted Christians, and these those faith based movies are the only movies that they'll even watch or let their kids watch. I I'm not in that group. Um, yeah, it, my parents weren't in that group. I could pretty much they watch anything. They let me watch anything and make my own decisions. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's one of the more phenomenal success stories. And um, there's even a rumor going out there this could be one of the most um, elaborate Ponzi schemes of all time because they've had this pay-it-forward campaign where um, the churches are actually buying tickets for the movie and dispersing them for free um, to moviegoers who may not be able to afford it or don't normally go to the movies. Oh, that's dope. I'm always I'm always for something like that. It, it Getting sound, people out to the cinema. It definitely sounds good. Mm-hmm. But all uh, that ties and offering I've been giving over the years. Yeah, you give out a free movie ticket. <laughs> it, it's the equivalent of um of a book being on the New York Times bestseller list that sold fifty thousand copies in a week when it's the company who bought those fifty thousand. So they might not even be making money for all we know. And <laughs> this could be the studio who already made a profit first week spending money on tickets that people aren't even actually buying because that's why these, like I said, this keep in mind, apparently uh, the most popular modern day Jesus, Jim Caviezel, the star of this movie from the passion of Christ. He believes in that QAnon crap where the Democrats are sacrificing kids and uh, drinking the blood and getting the power from youth and all that. Really? Uh, he believes that he, he now that's the room. I didn't see any footage of him saying that, but that's the rumor going around. And he has, and I can understand playing Christ in a movie can take an emotional toll on you. 
and I can understand someone who played Christ in the movie and getting uh, the love from the community. I can understand you feeling a little bit uh, too self righteous. I can yeah. see that. He I can play the bad guy in Deja Vu, so I can. Yeah, yeah, he was, <laughs> was bad. He guy. was. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So. And still not a favorite movie. Man. I did not like Deja. I like Deja. Vu. I did like Deja. Oh, Vu. I didn't like that. I, I, Paula Patton stepping in. Who I've seen she, her. She, she is really fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's another reason why I like Mission Impossible Four of the best. She was looking super fine in that. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just felt Sound of Freedom. This is on my must see list. I have got to see what all the hype is about. I'm looking forward to that. I just felt like this, of all the summer movies that were coming out, this had the least amount of exposure. And this movie is going to end up making more money than probably The Flash and Shazam 2, which I would say zero people on earth predicted, even the people behind the movie. This movie is going to end up making more money than The Flash <coughs> and, and Shazam 2. That's, that's Damn, that crazy. Is, that is, that is oh, really yeah. crazy. All that damn money DC put in the movies. Yeah, yeah, this movie cost $15 million. Shazam 2 probably cost one fifty, And what they said, Flash cost maybe two fifty, At least. That's insane. That is insane. Well, not everybody has a cheat code of making a superhero movie anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Regular movies is actually out here winning, so that's good. I'm not mm-hmm. mad at that at all. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think they owe us one like that. Because the Flash was really bad, like I said. I can't oh. believe they put that bullshit and, out. Oh, I thought it was not going to be good. I didn't expect the disaster that I actually saw. <laughs> well, I expected something. As soon as I saw like him and his own personal issues, I was like, man, he's going to fucking tank this movie all by himself right now. <laughs> they did their best to cover it up. They tried. They yeah, really, Michael really tried. Keaton Batman. Uh, they advertised that as a Michael Keaton Batman sequel more so than Flash. They tried. I thought the advertising was pretty damn good, actually. Okay. Well, it was a pretty good attempt, but it just... Even Michael Keaton couldn't save that movie, and that's saying a and lot. And they killed him off in that movie on top of that. <laughs> yeah. Now, it, if there was any possible saving grace when they decided to kill off Michael Keaton's Batman in that disgrace of a movie, that was the final nail in the coffin for me. All right. Who got the hidden gem this week? Who want to go first? Um, I'm going to go quick. Um, make this quick. I'm gonna go with Vampire in Brooklyn, man. I'm gonna go with, <laughs> I said, really Ryan, a, a, a video of uh, John but, Witherspoon. But Sean, yeah. thank you. Yeah. That was the, I, I'm telling <laughs> you, Monday was hell, Tuesday was hell. That video of John Witherspoon was the highlight of my week so far. <laughs> Him explaining what he saw and shit. Oh, hilarious. You ever see the wolf man? <laughs> <laughs> to the 10th power. Man. The flip flop. flip flop on me. I'm trying to take a bitch pretzels and chicken. You know, bitch love me. They do the flip flop on me, man. <laughs> Eddie Murphy playing a vampire. It's got uh, our girl, what's her name? Um, Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett is in there. I thought this was uh, one movie I did not expect to like as much as I did. I thought it was just going to be stupid. And it's not great by any means. But I thought it was has some little spooky parts as a kid watching that. Like, all right, I see some spooky parts in here. All and right, it still shocks me that it was directed by Wes Craven. Wes Craven did that one? Okay, yeah. That is did so not surprising. I know that. Um, yeah, Vampire Brooklyn is it's a it's a it's one of those that's like it's not a guilty pleasure, but it, I could put that in up in the, you know as one of the one of Eddie Murphy's my, one of my favorite Eddie Murphy movies. Uh, it's on HBO Max now if you want to watch it. 
Vampire Brooklyn, I just saw it the other day. I didn't watch it, but I was like, you know what? I don't know if everybody ever did Vampire Brooklyn. And then I saw the video of John Witherspoon explaining what he saw. He was funny as hell in there. It had Kadeem, is it Kadeem Carey? Or Kadeem, Kadeem, Kadeem Harvey. Harvey. Yeah, he was the, played a little ghoul, his little right-hand man, and him trying to get Angela Bassett to be his wife. Typical Dracula type stuff, but Eddie Murphy played a. What's player. the light skinned guy's name? Uh, Alan Payne. Alan Payne, yes. He, yeah, was, he's, he had a good, good 90s acting career. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kadeem Har- Harrison. Kadeem Thank you, yes. Har- he's Harrison. Like a better world. Uh, yeah. A different world. A different world. Yep, Thank yep, you. yep, yep. So uh, it has some creepy parts in there for a vamp, for, a, for pretty much a comedian, a field movie. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Vampire in Brooklyn tonight. It's hidden gem for me. Watch that on Max if you want. So. Okay. Yeah, Kim, what did that come on? Uh, ninety five, ninety five, ninety six, yeah. somewhere around yeah. that time. So. I always liked yeah. that movie. I don't. Yeah. I never understood the hate for it. I, I, I thought it was good. That. Yeah. All right. Hidden gem for me this week is going to be connected to Rebecca Ferguson because I want to give her some more flowers before we end this podcast. That's what I'm talking about. It's a movie that came out two thousand seventeen. Has her, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and uh, Ryan Reynolds. And it's a movie called Life, where they discover uh, extra, extraterrestrial oh, yeah. uh, life on Mars. Mm-hmm. And then it's like they experimented on the on the space station and then slowly it starts killing like the the people one by one on the on the uh, ship. So I think it it kills like one of the doctors and it goes for Ryan Reynolds next. And then it last is like Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Rebecca Ferguson, I think, at the end. And basically, the whole goal, the whole goal of that movie was them just to make sure that it doesn't make it to Earth. Because as soon as it gets around human life, it pretty much just multiplies, and it, and it gets to the point where they can't stop it anymore. So overall, I, I, it does play a little bit like a horror movie to me. As opposed to just like a science fiction movie, because it it does get kind of scary on some of these scenes. I was like, holy shit, man, they're doing pretty good on this one. Like a, it's kind of like a little mix of a uh, alien, like a alien, mm-hmm. like a you know whatever, just getting loose on a spaceship like that. That's kind of that's kind of terrifying because a lot of stuff can go wrong with some kind of situation like that. So I thought it actually played pretty good. I remember I watched this like when as soon as it came out on a DVD, and I thought I enjoyed myself very much watching this one. So yeah, hidden gem for me this week I think is going to be Life with uh, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Ryan Reynolds. I'm not sure what stream is hers on. It may be on Paramount, but I could be wrong because I think that's where I found it. But you know, just just look it up. You should be able to find it somewhere. All these streaming services, somebody's bound to have it at this point. Oh, so, yeah. so yeah, life was gonna be my head gym this week. What you got for us, Ryan? Good pick. That was one movie that uh, I heard was underseen, but actually damn good. I remember year that came out, and I never got around to seeing it. I'm glad you put that back in my memory bank. Thank you for that, kind sir. Um, I'm going to uh, with the writer strike and actor strike going on. I'm going to use another writer to influence my hidden gym. And uh, one of his interviews, he made a quote of why it's so hard for writers in the movie industry right now. And uh, he made the quote that everything's just too damn expensive. Uh, The writer in question I'm talking about is uh, a a guy by the name of William Goldman. And um, he is the writer of one of the best movies ever made, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid with uh, Paul Newman. And he made the quote, this was maybe back in uh, 2010 or 11 when he made this quote. He said, when I wrote Butch Cassidy, um, Paul Newman, when they cast him, he was the biggest movie star in the United States uh, coming off of Cool Hand Luke in 1967. Cool Hand Luke was a huge hit. And uh, they said he had a production budget of $8 million when that movie got made. He said, 
nowadays, keep in mind, this is around 2010, he said, let's say you cast, if they made Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid in 2010, and you cast Will Smith in it, that movie's going to cost $150 million. And that's why everything's so rough right now, because everything's so damn expensive. So, with that in mind, and with uh, Oppenheimer coming out this weekend, I wanted to talk about another Paul Newman movie. Uh, touched on the same subject, and that is a movie that came out in 1989 starring Paul Newman called Fat Man and Little Boy, which deals about the uh, two... What's it called again? Fat Man and Little Boy. Those are the name of the first atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So Oppenheimer, at least based on the trailers, they're going to deal with the Hiroshima bomb. Uh, That was... That was Little Boy. Uh, that was a bomb they dropped on Hiroshima, the first atomic bomb. Fat Man, they dropped on Nagasaki. That was an even bigger bomb. And this movie, this 1989 movie on Paul Newman touches on it. It doesn't go full on as some of the other documentaries I've seen. But they specifically dropped those bombs on a heavily populated civilian population uh that's one of the uh, strategies of war is demoralizing the soldiers who are fighting by seeing civilian non-fighters women and children being murdered and slaughtered they did that with the native americans when uh they were colonizing the united states and it's happened throughout history uh even genghis khan specialized in that he demoralized the soldiers because they couldn't stop the civilians from getting killed. That's how that's a lot of people demoralize soldiers in war. And uh, this, was, this was a good movie. It, uh, I can't wait for Oppenheimer. Uh, but uh, I really feel that if um, you're interested in the topic, and, I, and that's one of the powers of movies, is they uh, kind of uh, can stir public consciousness. Uh, another great quote I heard that was, um, uh, they talk about, uh, popular media and uh, popular media in the news they can't really tell you what what to think but they can influence what you think about so even when I was watching this latest Mission Impossible movie I couldn't help but think okay uh, we had a, a sub implosion while they were looking at the Titanic and AI is talking about dominating all kind of different industries I thought it was pretty prophetic that mission this new mission impossible we dealt with a, a submarine getting blown up and ai all in the same movie and that's dominating pub, public consciousness even before this movie came out so they were kind of ahead of the time that because keep in mind this new mission impossible movie got delayed by damn near two years just like top gun maverick did because of covid mm-hmm. so they were kind of ahead of their time uh with, with the storyline i thought that was one thing that was on my mind watching this but yeah, uh, yeah, Fat Boy, uh, Fat Man, Little Boy. Those are the first two atomic bombs dropped. It's a uh, 1989 movie starring Paul Newman as uh, General Leslie Groves. Uh, that's the character that uh, Matt Damon's going to play in this new Oppenheimer movie. Uh, an actor I'm not too familiar with, uh, Dwight Schultz. He plays J. Robert Oppenheimer. Miss Cillian Murphy's going to play. Uh, the standout in this uh, the actress that plays his wife, 
Uh, I can't think of her name. Bonnie something. She's really good. This is also one of the early John Cusack movies. He he has a small role in this. And, uh, yeah, if Oppenheimer is as good as it looks, this is going to bring renewed interest in uh, not only Oppenheimer, but that period of history as well. Um, yeah, for all the Jurassic Park fans out there, I'm sure you guys already know this, but uh, you guys know Newman from Seinfeld. Newman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his fat character. He had a picture of Oppenheimer on his computer. There was always that picture of that guy smoking a cigar. Uh, Oppenheimer's always kind of been the uh, mad genius superhero out there. And he had that famous quote, I'm I'm the destroyer of men. He felt a lot of regret after what he saw the atomic bomb did and how he kind of lost control of how governments and military would use that that movie. And uh, a great book out there, I would encourage everybody to read, The Modern Day Prometheus, which apparently was inspiration for this movie. Um, that's a, that's a must read as well because you it really goes into the regret and how this kind of destroyed Oppenheimer's life after he saw that he created a, a device that could pretty much destroy mankind. But good movie from the eighties, Fat Man, Little Boy, well worth watching. It goes into good detail of what this upcoming Oppenheimer is going to do, and uh, well worth a watch. Good hint, Jim. Good hint, Jim. There. Another great episode, guys. Absolutely. Another Absolutely. great weekend coming up. I don't know why I'm still pumped for Oppenheimer. Sean, you let me know how the Barbie movie is. <laughs> I might see it. I think you probably, you I want to see Oppenheimer first. Though. You're the only it. one that I know off the top of my head that even said anything remotely positive about the Barbie movie coming out, even yeah. though it was probably going to make a boat ton of money Yeah, because they're playing to an audience right there. You got to because yeah, kids want to go out and watch it. Yeah. You got to. The parents got to go out there and drag them to the movie. You can't just drop them off and then roll out and go home right. and go get some dinner with your wife. You got to go there and watch it with them sometimes. So, yeah, I'm expecting the bar movies to do numbers this weekend. I'm expecting Oppenheimer to perform relatively well. If it does, like, between 50 and 60, I think it's pretty fucking solid. That's for amazing. Much, for the hype that it's been getting. A three-hour R-rated drama that makes $50 million? That's freaking fantastic. And plus, it's, it's Christopher Nolan. Like he, his his movies are starting to become more and more of an event. The way that I looked at Quentin Tarantino movies, like his movies coming out now, is an event. Tenant didn't hit the mark for me. Personally. That was that was COVID time. It, it was it was COVID time. He tried to bring cinema back, but that just it just it just wasn't it. I feel like I still need to watch that movie over again to give it a little bit more respect. But as what I seen so far, it just it just didn't do it for me. I don't know how y'all felt about that, but that was one confusing movie. One of the most confusing watch. movies of all time. I enjoyed it, uh, but it didn't. He was hyping it up. That's going to save cinema. Yeah, I was real I, I was okay seeing that at home. I didn't feel like I missed anything. Damn, that movie couldn't even that. save Cinema Grill. Didn't mean, <laughs> <laughs> save a damn thing as far as I'm concerned. No, not at all. Oh, but but it, it did all right. So I do want to hold you. I, I do want to put you to the test time because you have been a huge critic on movie popcorn. Have you had AMC's popcorn lately? I know you're. I don't eat popcorn, man. I, I I don't get it, man. I don't get it. The last time like I, you get the kernel stuck in between your teeth, man, I understand like it smells delicious. If it was a candle, I understand like the aroma of like the butter popcorn. Mm. Just like as soon as you walk in, it just kind of like 
you kind of like your fucking Scooby Doo. Your nose starts f- like floating in the air. You floating towards the damn popcorn <laughs> and shit. I, I get that. It's but, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But as soon as I hear that nasty ass like fucking sound like in the side of my ear, because both my son and my wife be on each side of me snacking on that bullshit, and it just annoys the shit out of me. And I'm I'm a big dialogue guy. I have to hear everything that's being said, and it's hard to catch like dialogue when I have popcorn I'm with in both my ears. I, I, I gotta get you some small popcorn from Jefferson Point AMC Theater because going to see that Spider Man into this uh, across the Spider Verse, that popcorn was so bomb. Yeah. I was sitting there like, "What the hell is Tommy thinking? Maybe I don't know, yeah. you're just used to eating that regal right. cold water mess." The last time I really, the last time I tried More any version of popcorn, good. I actually enjoyed it is when they first came out with the Cheeto popcorn. With the AMC. Cheetos and the popcorn in oh, it. Oh, that sounds disgusting. Regal has a... It actually isn't bad. Oh. Regal has the caramel caramel popcorn, too, if you like that. Like maybe that That's good. Like, I'm yeah. not mad at that. I, I mean, I'm, if we wanted something different, I can't go away from regular butter popcorn. Uh, even Regal's popcorn is good. So um, AMC, I think, is a little bit better, but I got to have popcorn. It's just a must. I smell it. Like you said, I'm hypnotized right away. I got to have it. You know, I... <laughs> Shit, yeah, we, y'all like some damn crack here. We spent, we saw Mission Impossible. We spent like sixty five damn dollars. You know damn, I mean? like, just for two people? two people, two people, two tickets. Oh. I got online, had to pay a service fee. We got there, we got a large, two large drinks and a small popcorn. It was like thirty bucks. You got hoodwinked, my yeah, friend. Yeah, I told her like we need all a good. That's that. why I feed my family before I go there. And the dude kept on going. He's like, you "Might as well get a large." Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, you might as well fuck up. Shut your ass up." Yeah, large uh, would be great. Sure, you got to raise well get that. Two like, you, are, you are not working on commission, <laughs> yeah. man. Shut the hell up. <laughs> Yo, uh, you might as well get two large. Hey, we got the uh, Mission Impossible bucket. If you like that, right, get the hell out of here, man. Uh, I do like the big bucket, Sean. We can bring it back, and then oh my god. <laughs> Well, you already got the damn Batman bucket. You're bring that shit next time. Oh man, I ain't got time for that. But everybody, <laughs> thank y'all for tuning in. If you have already looked us up on Facebook, Instagram, like we're all over the place. Go look up our podcast, like, share, subscribe. And I hope you have a good weekend at the movies this weekend, y'all. Have a good one. We'll see y'all next week. All righty, good night. Good seeing y'all.